feet are planted. Her face is poised. Will this be the moment of her death? Nobody knows. Oh my gosh. That is the best thing I've ever seen. Listening to the Buzz Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 260. Welcome back to the Buzzkill Podcast, where today we're going back in time just to sit around and wait for decades to see some sequels. In. The right men for the job. <laughs> get it? I, I Do you get it, get it Mike? I get it. The Co- right. Coincidentally. The right man. He was the right man for the he job. He was the right man for the job. Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, also, holy shit, we didn't just spend the last hour sitting here talking, uh, uh, trying to figure out a title for that the episode. Dude. <laughs> the worst. We were, ready to, we were ready to go at 11 p.m., <laughs> and it is now midnight. It is midnight, yeah. Um. Usually they just kind of, they come to us, you know. Yeah, this Usually one. Usually we can just stroke these episodes like a dick. They come to us and it's fine. Most episodes, most, in fact, yeah. yeah, most. Most uh, dicks too that I see, <laughs> I, I stroke. I'm I'm getting soft in my old age. I'm not gonna lie. It doesn't doesn't come as quickly as it uh, as as it used to. Ouch! Sorry, all right. Yeah. Well, what are you? You're 42 now. <laughs> 40, 45. Oh God! It feels like it. You look good. You don't look Thanks, a day man. over 46. Thanks. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm so discombobulated from from sitting here for the last hour racking my brain over so that. Because you're discombobulated, let yes. me ask you. Yes. Are you recording? Yes, I am okay. recording. We're, we're good. Because <laughs> we don't need tonight of all nights, we don't need a repeat of last week. Last week we we uh I don't know if we said it on the show. I think we alluded to it, but uh we tried recording three times. Oh yeah. Or we did record we we tried recording once. It was a failed attempt. Then we <laughs> tried we started recording again. I think we got like twenty five minutes yeah, into yeah. the show. Like twenty five minutes into the show and Mike looks down and he's like, Oh, uh We're not recording. We're not recording. So <laughs> then we started again. So I just wanted to, after after trying to come up with a fucking title for this episode for an hour. Who knew that smashing together Ghostbusters and the Wizard of Oz would be so difficult? Return to Oz. Return to Oz. Sorry. Right, let's get, let's not mislead people here. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Um, which you might be thinking to yourself, what the fuck do these two movies have anything to do with each other? I'm still thinking that. How do they have anything to do with each other? Yeah. But they do. Yeah. I think at least. Uh, yeah. I, it's we a have fe- our I think I feel like it's a feeling more than anything else, right? It's more than a feeling. More than a feeling. <laughs> What? I think we've been singing on like every episode lately, um, but yeah, no, it's like a feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a mood piece. Mm. You know, it's a. Mm. <laughs> haven't busted that out in a while. <laughs> you had to, you had to wait until I was drinking this beverage to pull out mood piece, and you know I love that. It's true. It's true. You know I love it. But uh, before we get into that, James. Um, oh, I'm was, James. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm Mike. I'm James. I'm Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Come on. What's even going on Re- tonight? Recombobulate. Okay. How's uh, how's your last two weeks been? Uh good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess I guess good. 
I found so I'm, I found out I'm having sur- I'm having surgery in January. Ooh, That's a C-section. Cool. Just a C-section. Just to really, like, just get this fucking just get this baby out of me. Right? No, I'm having knee surgery in uh January. Because you're what? Old as old, fuck. Old as old fuck. As yes. balls. <laughs> um What's going on with your knee? Just a it's a torn meniscus and a little bit of a little bit of arthritis. Oh. A little bit of arthritis. No big deal. I'm totally not 45 years old <laughs> or 58 or whatever the fuck. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty minor. It's just going to be a, a scope. Okay. Scope surgery. A couple of holes. He said I'll be walking by the end of the day on it. So Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not real concerned. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's just going to... I feel like 20 years ago, you would have been like laid up for weeks because your knee would have been torn apart just so they can get to like, oh, yeah, they would one little piece. Cut you open just to get to that little meniscus. And now it's just a couple little cameras getting mm-hmm. in there. And so he's going to fix my meniscus. And then he said uh, he doesn't really need to because the arthritis in my knee isn't bad. But he said, oh, well, I'm in there. I'll just, I can drill a bunch of holes. Mm hmm. In the bone, and I'm like, oh, that's the neat. And he's like, yeah, I can drill a bunch of holes in the bone, and it, and it may uh, promote regrowth of the cartilage. That's I was like, like, that sounds horrifying, Doc. But that's you like do the, you. That's like the old man equivalent of like when a woman is giving birth. Or like, yeah, well, I'm down there. Let's put a little, uh, little extra stitch in yeah, there. Give yeah. it the old daddy <laughs> stitch. <laughs> well, well, I'm in there. You're gonna be playing soccer in no time. Um. Coincidentally, he said that soccer is probably the reason that my knees are fucked up. Really? Well, my because my wife works with him. Yeah. Uh, works alongside yeah, him. I'm you sure know. she does. Yeah, right, right. He's a cool guy, but... um, <clears throat> So I wouldn't blame her. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, no, she. He said. He said. Was he an athlete? Like, what, what? What did he do in his younger years? Did he really beat up his his knees a lot? <laughs> if you only knew, Doc. Right? <laughs> he's on his knees a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Well, he was a big, He was a soccer player for many, many years." He's yeah. like, "Oh, those fucking soccer players." So yeah, yeah. Apparently, soccer players mess their knees up. Is a he? Lot. Is he? Is he English though? Why? Because does he know what soccer is? Yes. Yeah, does do you think football? Football. Football. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, you played American soccer, you pussy. <laughs> well, no, you would say American football. Oh, yeah. Right? Fuck, I fucked that up. Didn't yeah, I? I don't know what you're talking about. Damn it. Anyway, so, yeah, that, and uh, I don't know, what else? What else fun is coming up? Well, I'm we gonna got... Have, I'm going to have to euthanize my dog in a couple weeks. Ooh. <laughs> that's fun. Ooh, that's... <laughs> yeah, okay. But it's just, Mike. She's sixteen years no, old. It's, no, it's it's, it's it, it. We can talk about it without it getting weird. No, you 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 cut me off, sort of. Uh, and I was happy you did because I was about to get downer for a second, and then you said something about euthanizing, and now I don't know how to go into what I was going to talk oh, about. Oh no, <laughs> I think I know what you're going to talk about too. So we live terribly close to Oxford. Yeah. Oh God. Now I wish mm. I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. But, um, um. So yeah. it's been a weird two weeks around these parts. Yes. So if you if you haven't heard, if you if you're not like a, a news person. Person and you don't, I don't know, even follow. Think, I don't even think you have to be. It's it's kind of weird when it happens uh, at your back door because it, we became. I mean, Oxford obviously, like Michigan though, became subject of national. Oh yeah, and international news and close, which is really weird. Very it's a close weird to feeling. us. We we actually were less than three degrees from somebody who. Was killed. Who passed away in the shooting? In the shooting. Yeah. yeah. So was it Awful. four people? Four people died. I think a fifth died. Did a fifth die? Yeah. I actually somebody didn't know who that. was in in the ICU ended up passing Jesus away Christ. too. Yeah. So there was a, a friend of ours. Uh, her cousin was, it was. Our friend has a cousin 
who went to Oxford and was involved in it, and it was her friend, it was her best, the like cousin's her best friend, friend who that died, died in yeah. the shooting. Yeah, so we're awful. like four degrees separation from somebody who <sighs> tragically passed away. In that, yeah, really um, awful, awful, awful. Yep, and of and of, it's it's so sad that school shootings are are. Dare, I don't want to say normal, but my God, it's almost like <clears throat> it's almost passe. Uh, it know. almost is like the not 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 the deaths themselves, but yeah. talking about actual school shootings. It's like all the focus is, is obviously on the victims and the people that died, and that's what the main focus is on. Yeah. But in terms of like the shooting itself, it's just then it just automatically turns into now you're paying attention to the court case and you're paying attention to the charges being brought. You're not even talking about the fact that a you're fucking not even school talking got about shot that. up. Yeah. You know, right. like how quickly we move past the fact that a school there was a school shooting. Like it's now it's now the media circus about the court case, right? Not which I, I know it's all connected, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, oh it's, yeah, absolutely. It's just crazy. well, that's that's the thing is, and it's it's kind of it's kind of gross how it happens too because it's the me- the media does it like they oh sure they make a circus out of it because it gets them eyes on their on the screens it gets mm-hmm. them ratings like mm-hmm. it's it's really really disgusting how they the, do it but the fact that i mean five... like cover it cover it for sure Absolutely. right but there's a lot of sensationalizing of stuff and and you know uh anyway this is divulging <laughs> into a weird conversation here yeah. which we didn't mean to have well that's all but, right uh, <laughs> it's an, it, it, you know it's we an important we, conversation two and i you us two haven't really talked about that much so right yeah uh little uh because i don't see you anymore because you moved in with a girl and all of a sudden you have no room in your life for me sorry let's get into that sorry i'm hurt <laughs> sorry <laughs> you can come visit me every now and then no, absolutely not. Um, you know, what's, we, what's weird, speaking of Oxford, is we went and got our Christmas tree, speaking of, you know, the person I spend all my time with now. Yeah. Uh, we went and got a Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> you said, speaking of, oh, did you go to Oxford to get it? We did. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Why? Because uh, that's where the candy cane Christmas tree farm is, James. What? And that's where we went to go get our Christmas tree. For any particular reason? What do you mean? I There's... Christmas tree farms all over the place. Yeah, Why'd you go all the way out to Oxford? We didn't want to do Blake's. Blake's is just kind of commercial Blake's, or whatever. Sh- Everyone goes oh, there. it's so commercial. It kind of is. Um, <laughs> no, we we the our idea was to originally go like we were gonna drive like an hour and a half north and it, go to like one of those places where it's not even like a field. It's not like a field of trees. It's just property that yeah. has random trees planted, and you have to walk like a mile back there. You know. We're gonna do the whole romantic Christmas tree oh my thing. God. Mm. Jesus. Uh, luckily, though, for for me, <laughs> most of the places were either closed or running very low on trees, so oh. we didn't want to drive that far and then not have anything to choose from. Of course. Anyway, though, we found this place in um, called the Candy King Christmas Tree Farm. We're like, oh, that sounds great. Where's it at? Oxford. Mm. It's weird though because you you go there, the the whole city just feels barren like it just it like 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 the flags are all at half mass still like, oh, like every yeah. sign is talking about it like it's just kind of like there's a real downer air to the city which mm-hmm. is more than understandable sure but it's just kind of kind of weird you know yeah it's like it's like it's like probably like being in new york after 9-11 like the, the whole yeah. city just feels well yeah i mean like you, i mean obviously you, that's a completely yeah, different situation but yeah you can't i mean yeah Especially with kids, you know, it's going to take so long for the whole community to bounce back from something like that. It's but, awful. But you get to, we get to the, the the tree farm and everyone's, you know, the Christmas music is blaring. People are having a good time, forgetting about things and kind of takes you, kind of puts you back into the mood. And then it dawned on us, 
how many of these young kids working at this Christmas tree farm probably went to Oxford? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like you, you can't really get it out of your head. Yeah. So it's kind of a kind of a weird thing, but uh, yeah. we did that. It was fun, and uh, yeah, I don't know. My past two weeks have been just that, kind of getting ready for the holidays, not having time to do anything, yeah. working too much, freaking out about Christmas shopping because I feel like I'm running out of time. You know, standard Christmas stuff. Of course, that's pretty much it. I have been done Christmas shopping for two months. Oh, lucky you! Yeah, lucky you! Yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> that's because my wife buys everything. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you do nothing. Well, I bought some stuff, and I also made some stuff. That doesn't count. Well, it does. No. That's more effort. No. That's more effort. Yeah, because she, like, she gets on Amazon, and she's like, click, 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 click. I got my shopping done. And I'm like, oh, yeah, slaving away down in the basement. <laughs> to, I'll be, I'll be to, down here cutting animals into pieces if you to, need anything. To, to make her her 17th wallet that she doesn't use. Exactly. <laughs> that was a dig on you. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of a dig on both of us, actually. <laughs> It's a dig on me because of my shitty work and a dig on her because she doesn't appreciate my shitty work. Yeah. Okay. Um, we need to move on here, but before we do, Butterfly Kisses was fucking sung by Michael Bolton, and I will not hear anything else. Is that accurate? No. Okay. So you're correcting so you're correcting yourself, but you're not we actually. We talked about this last week, and I swear to fucking God, that song was sung by Michael Bolton. Oh, we never actually said no. who you told you me thought not to. Okay, yeah. You told me not to. So right. I'm bringing it back up. Nobody commented on it because nobody loves us, but okay. yeah. I swear to God, it was him. He's the one that did it, and this is my Mandela effect because I can hear it in my head. I'm going to throw this one to Greg if he's listening because Greg is um, an expert on all things The Voice, huh? Bolton, mm-hmm. the actual voice, not the mm-hmm. TV show. Uh, he'll let you know. He could be that too. He'll let you know. Okay. I need but, to hear this, Greg. Um, but I, I, if I had to guess, I would say that all of time and all of the internet is correct, and you are not. Nope. Just if I had to guess. Nope. So. Nope. All right. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Well, speaking of other things that Mike got wrong, let's get into some corrections from last week. Stupid! You're so stupid! All right. A couple of corrections here. Shit on a shingle, James can be traced back to World War One. Really? Yes. Wow. So it can be traced back to World War One, and uh, it can be any type of creamed meat <laughs> on toast. <laughs> <laughs> you put it that way, it just sounds so good. Um, oh, man. It also goes by the names Shit on a Raft. Shit on a Raft. And my personal favorite, Creamed Foreskins on Toast. Oh my god. That is according to the Wikipedia history. That is a legit name that apparently people used to call it. So I was so get this. I was just sitting there just creaming my meat, right? And then Go I, on. And then I shit on a raft. Oh boy. Yep. World, um, War, World War One must have been some weird shit. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Army of Darkness is owned by Universal. I knew that, but I just couldn't think of it last week. Uh, and then also, how do you pronounce the director of Last Train to New York's name? <laughs> yes, we, please. Uh, we butchered it last okay. week. It is it is Indonesian. You were right about that. Uh-huh. However, the uh, the name the way that you pronounce it, according to Wikipedia at least, is uh, Timo Tajanto. Tajanto. Timo. Okay. Tajanto. So the first J is sort of silent, but the second J you actually pronounce. 
And that's according to Wikipedia? Yes, I have the phonetic spelling of it right here. I was looking at the phonetic spelling, too. It's got a couple of those weird symbols that if only, you look those up, it it, it only means... Only on the first one, though. The second J does not have that. Okay. So I think Tejanto. Okay. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. All right. It's the last time it's going to be brought up until we do... Until I look up an interview <laughs> where he actually says his own name. Mm, that's true. That's always... Those are hard to find. It's really hard to find people saying their own name. Well, yeah, because you you, if you're being interviewed, it's like, so tell me about this movie. Hi, I'm Mike Heckman, and this is the movie I made. Like, well, like they I don't really don't, interview themselves. I think if I was interviewing somebody, I would, I would say, okay, uh, you know, just for anybody watching who doesn't, who doesn't know who you are, why don't you just let everybody know who you are, right? No, I'm Mike Heckman. No, no, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, maybe if they're on like, uh, like a late night show or something like that, but I don't know, dude. I don't know. People like to know. People like to know who you are. Nah, it's not important. Leave them in this. Anyway, you got anything? Uh, I didn't read The Quiet Boy. Last week I said I was going to read The Quiet Boy, and I didn't read it. So this week, I vow to read it by at least uh, episode 262, which means I have four weeks to read it. I'm going to make a preemptive correction and say you're not going to do that. We'll see. It's really not that long of a story. It would literally take me 15 minutes. I'm just a piece of shit. That's true. So, anyway, that's it. (laughs) What a segue. You took a deep (laughs) breath like you were going to say something. Uh, And then you go, anyway. (laughs) um, So, this week, we, uh, we, we watched two sequels. We so did. so let's 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 tie these two movies together okay, for so the, for everybody because I went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife right and I had thoughts on it and then he was quote unquote gushing about it I was gushing yes to everyone yes. gushing uh, it's a thing you said I had read and I mentioned this last week I had read and actually I don't know if I mentioned that this is where I got it from the whole Goonies reference mm-hmm. like that wasn't a completely original thought that was as I, most I, of your thoughts no, aren't no not usually right. i was reading uh kevin smith's actual uh his review of ghostbusters afterlife and he yeah. was the one that kind of pointed out that it's more of a goonies movie than it is anything else like cuz you could never remake the goonies now and have it work you just couldn't it's a time capsule of a movie and yeah i think it just I, like I you could never remake that. ghostbusters they tried you can't capture that lightning in a bottle twice right right so ghostbusters afterlife even though it's and we'll talk about this later and this will be heavy spoilers so we'll you know whatever. oh yeah yeah you know even though there are beats that they hit in the movie mm-hmm. it's wrapped in a package that is so unlike the original movie that it works yeah so it got me thinking like what other movies are sort of like that outside of goonies and for whatever reason, Return to Oz popped into my head. You know, they're both adventure stories about kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both sequels that came out way after their original yeah. their original movies. Right. Decades after their original movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both stories of fantastic circumstance. Like, they're, I don't know, they, they kind of seem like kindred spirits a little bit. I feel the same way. And it I, was like, when you said it, I was like, I hadn't even seen Afterlife yet. Yeah. I had only gotten like the vibe of it from trailers and you know a few few short clips that I had seen. I finally went to see it. I because I told you I don't I don't want to make a decision until I go see it. So I went to see it and immediately thought, oh yeah, Return to Oz would go great with this. They're but both I, kids movies that have heavy horror influences. Yeah, which yeah. Return to Oz 
as a, we'll, ki- oh, as we'll a get kids, into it. As a kids movie, watching Yikes. that again as an adult because it's been it's been a long time since I've watched it. Watching that again as an adult, and not just as an adult because I mean I've watched it since then, but like paying attention to it the way that I was this time, yeah, it's such a fucking weird movie, yeah. Uh, and I, I also, deep dove on the history of it, so I have a lot to add okay. to to that. I was gonna say also kind of sad. Oh yeah, if you look at it a certain way. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is which is I didn't deep dive into it. These are all of my own thoughts on it, mm-hmm. which I actually do have original thoughts. Oh, unlike you. Oh, well, that's good. At least one of us does. <laughs> but you can fill in all of the gaps in my original thoughts with your um. You know your facts. What, yeah, whatever you whatever you memorize from other people. <laughs> well, before we get into those though, James, what are we drinking this week? Uh, so this week we are drinking. First of all, I got to shout out. What was where'd the bottle go of that oh, thing that we were right drinking? Here. I'm not even gonna bother trying to to say it. <laughs> yes, I am. Let's be fair. Yes, I am. This is uh, so. First of all, Mike brought over a twenty five dollar bottle of beer. And it's not like a $25 deuce deucer. This is no. a $25, what is that, 16 ounce maybe? It's probably a 16 ounce a bottle, yeah. This is an intense rude. It's intense. Intense rude. Uh, it, it, there's so many names on this bottle, I don't know which one are, is the actual name of the beer. I have no idea. It's intense rude one, three, Fontanin Lambic, Lamb, Lambic Brewerage Gusterer. Is it Lambert? uh this thing was delicious oh yeah it's the most tart sour cherry sour i've ever had in my life so good and it's so good yeah so good worth 25 dollars and and the interesting thing is so the bottling date was october 17th of 2019 so Mm -hmm. it's already two years old and it's best before date is october 26th of 2039 so you can age this bottle for 20 years yep amazing and delicious. Do you have another bottle of this? I don't, but I know where to get one. So if if you get that bottle, you should actually age it. Like put it on a shelf, let it age for a few years. I could see what happens. Take that bottle from Just me. Put it down. No, <laughs> you have a table right in front. <laughs> All right. Of you. So the actual beer for tonight's episode. Here you go. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> the actual beer for tonight's episode is from Watermark Brewing Company, and it's called Electric Rope. Oh, yeah. Which is, uh, <laughs> I've slung a few electric ropes in my day, right? <laughs> it's when you have a car battery hooked up to your nipples, right? <laughs> uh, brewed and canned by Watermark Brewing in Stevensville, Michigan. Uh, this is an India Pale Ale, 5.5% or by volume. Um, there's no write-up on this one, which is just fucking... Put some... No, but do we really need to explain why electric rope works for this particular episode well no obviously with uh with ghostbusters they literally use an electric rope to to get all grabby it's with the literally ghosts. a lasso it is it's <laughs> a lasso it's an electric rope it is um doesn't really work for return to oz but whatever I'm trying to find a write-up for it here um it kind of works for return to oz why because the it really doesn't. There's nothing electric in that movie at all, the, is there? The, well, there is. They try to they try to give her electroshock therapy. Oh, there you go. And then the grump is held together with ropes. That's true. So there you go. <laughs> the grump. Is that is it? It's a grump, right? Yes. I yeah. Think, I think that's what it was called. It's yeah. a moose, but it's called a grump for it's some a, reason. It's a, it's, it's a moose couch. It's a. Mo- <laughs> 
It's the moose couch. Look at that moose couch. Uh, we'll get into it later, but I tell you what, if you've never seen Return to Oz, it's the biggest acid trip ever. Like, it's oh, a crazy sure. fucking movie. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm looking for something here for Electric Rope and Watermark, and I'm not finding anything. I got to call Watermark out. I'm sorry. Oh. Because they're because they're Michigan boys, like, hey, do better. Do- <laughs> put a little effort into your shit. Like, put write-ups on the can. I want to read a story, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to drink this beer? I do. Let's drink it. Yeah. Okay. Cheers, bud. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, this, that's, oh, that's not gonna. This, it's yeah. Can this is glass yeah. Not, no. And also, this is it's too far of a reach for this full of a glass. I will definitely spill this on our equipment. Get the. Ooh, it's bitter. It is. Uh, it's very bitter. Uh, I know IPAs typically are bitter. Dare I say that's a little bit of an unpleasant bitter, though. I, uh, I'm i so used to... We drink so many uh, hazy IPAs these days. Uh, yeah. Which has such a... Like, hazy IPAs have such a heavy kind of citrusy... Citrusy with that with that juicy... You know, <laughs> the juicy <laughs> fucking... no idea what you're trying to say. I'm saying that this is like... This is more of a standard IPA, which I'm really it, not... I'm not used to, like... Because I drink mostly hazy IPAs, which hazy IPAs, let's be fair. They're, I they're, drink. They're like orange juice. It, that's true. I drink a lot of IPAs, though. And he, this is a bit bitter for standard IPAs. Like I don't think it's that bitter. Yeah. I'm getting on the sides of my tongue. Like That's where like I'm getting that bitterness. And it kind of sticks there a little bit. Really? Yeah. Sticking to, stick to the old tongue, stick huh? Sticking to the tongue. Sticking yeah. to the palate. Maybe it's because you're drinking it out of the can. Mm. You need to pour it in a glass, let her breathe a little bit. She wants to breathe, Mike. Okay, I'll revisit that when I can get it yeah. into a glass. Yeah, she wants to breathe. That so far though, not my favorite IPA. It's not great. I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not like a it's not a bad tasting beer. It's maybe, just it's maybe, it's like um maybe it's not they, awesome. Maybe they knew that it wasn't awesome and that's why they didn't bother with a write up. That must There's be. There's like, it. you know what? Let's just get this batch out. Let's just throw it. this one on the shelves. <laughs> they can't all be W's, boys. Can't <laughs> all be W's. <laughs> I don't know. With a name like Electric Rope, though? You would think it would be really good. You'd but, think. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, hey. Well, yeah. So anyway, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Let's get into the bleed feed. The bleed feed. All right, James. All right, Michael. Let's talk about some news. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, uh, we do have to start off with a uh, death, unfortunately. Uh, let's see here. Martha De Laurentiis has passed away. If that name sounds familiar, she formed the Dino De Laurentiis company with her late husband in 1980. Mm. Uh, and, so, and so she is responsible for a ton of cult classic movies. Firestarter, Silver Bullet, Maximum Overdrive, uh, Hannibal, Red Dragon, Hannibal Rising, a lot of the Hannibal movies outside of Sounds of the Lambs. She likes uh, Stephen King adaptations, apparently. Apparently she does. <laughs> uh, Amityville 2 and 3, like just tons of stuff. Anything that Dino De Laurentiis has done, mm. like he's legendary. Mm-hmm. Army of Darkness, we were just talking about that. Like that's a Dino De Laurentiis joint. Right on. Oh, Dino De Laurentiis joint. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Anyway, though, she's, uh, yeah, her her career has spawned some 
absolutely legendary movies for better or for worse in some cases. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what? God bless her for executively producing the movie that Stephen King doesn't even remember directing because <laughs> the Booga Sugar took over. <laughs> but um, yeah, oh, she passed away. Uh, such a good movie, though. At the age of sixty-seven, Ooh, way too early wow. with a battle uh, with cancer. Oh so, man! Rest in peace to uh, Martha De Laurentiis. Oh, that's awful. Well, okay. Yes. Rest in peace. Okay. Um, uh, actually, hold on. I would, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the passing of Stephen Sondheim. Nope. Yes. Yes. Um, Stephen Sondheim, as uh, some people may know, is uh, is a composer and lyricist for many many musical productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, died at the age of ninety one. Oh, so not a bad run. Nope. That's a good. Not that's a bad a big, run. Uh, that's a big old. Uh, big old dub. Pale of perfection. <laughs> big old. Still working on it. <laughs> there you go. You're all right. Uh, December eighth, he passed away. Um, uh, with a uh, from I think a card- cardiovascular disease or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, if you don't know, he start got his start by writing the lyrics for West Side Story. Mm-hmm. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way, right? I'm not a big fan of West Side Story. Oh, really? No, I've seen it. I've seen it a handful of times, and it, it's not that I don't like it. It's not my cup of tea. And that's a fair thing. Not everything is for everyone. Sure, No, yeah. it's a classic. It's, it just it really isn't suited to my tastes, personally. Okay. Um, I recognize that it's amazing. It's very good. Well, they yeah, actually, I get you that. know, Steven Spielberg it, it just did a, a remake, like a reimagining of it, that right? That doesn't shock me. It's not out yet, right? No. Yeah, no. We, uh, Aaron and I just watched a special on it. There was a, some, a, they did like a, a whole a whole thing about it on CBS or NBC mm-hmm. or some shit like that. I can't remember, but looks pretty good. Looks really good. And Steven Spielberg, obviously, like he took a lot of the set pieces that were kind of confined to like rooftops and stuff like that in the original and blew them up to like full city streets and like these huge set Ooh. pieces. And you said blew up makes me think. I really, 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 really wish that. Instead of Spielberg making the remake of West Side Story, it was Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? There'd be fucking robots singing and like aliens coming down. Now that's a West Side Story that I can get down with. There you go. Uh, other than uh, other or, than West Side, sorry. What? Or you do the Spike Lee joint, right? Mm-hmm. No, Spike Lee. No, Spike Jones is the white guy. Yeah. Okay. So Spike Lee, <laughs> you have Spike Lee do. The West Side Story, West Side? and it's like, and it's all, it's like Death Row Records and stuff. Like, <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd pay to see that. Oh my god, that's, uh, that sounds awesome. I would pay for that. Uh, so yeah, Stephen Sondheim, he, uh, he went on to work on many well-known musical theater productions, such as A Funny Thing That Happened on the Way to the Forum, Company Into the Woods, Merrily We Roll Along, and for our purposes on this show here, Sweeney Todd. Oh, the Demon Barber. Sweet, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. The Demon Barber Fleet Street, uh, which is one of my go-to. It's one of my go-to musical soundtracks. It's if I want to not... listen to a musical, it's like that or and that and Hamilton. Yeah, it's it's not mine. You would think that maybe it is. I liked it when we did it for the show, but I think that's the first time and only time I've ever actually watched it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like it's and as much as I liked it, it just it didn't get stuck with me the way that other ones do. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's Repo. Oh, I listened. I listened so to though. Repo about a gajillion times. Yeah. Um, I've listened to Hamilton about a gajillion times. 
the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode uh-huh. that I own a vinyl of. Oh. <laughs> which co- which I didn't realize this. One of the most valuable vinyls in my collection now. Is it really? Yeah. How much is it worth? Like I don't own a ton of like really expensive stuff, but it's out of print and it's worth like between two fifty and three hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. Wow. The fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer vinyl. I know what I'm stealing next Who time knew? I come over. <laughs> um but yeah, there's a couple other ones that I will go to, but uh yeah, I, for whatever reason. I, I think it's I I think that like the like the it's a lot to take in all on a first viewing. Mm-hmm. Like any musical, like even the first time that I watched Hamilton, I didn't, uh, it, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but like, I didn't really, I, w- I wasn't like, everything's happening so fast. Like a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, the rapping is like, you know, it's awesome. is amazing. And, and, and there's, but there's so much, it's, it's not like nothing's repeated. It's all historical information wrapped at you extremely fast i don't get how they do it well I fuck. how Lin- do you memorize that lin-manuel miranda took what like 10 years to Some, even write like it, that, it yeah. i think he said the 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 uh not throwing away my shot uh song took him like two years to write because like the the way it's uh the way the it's structured with that, like yeah. the couplets like the couplets f- throughout the entire uh verse sections is like is incredible. It's it's such a like a masterclass in in that type of songwriting. Not but, to uh, divulge here, but the speed rapping part that uh, the sister in law does is probably the one of the best parts of that entire. Oh thing. yeah, it's really good. So good. everything about dude that soundtrack. So yeah, anyway, so bam, good. it's so great. Good. But like I was saying, like <laughs> the first time that I watched it, I was like, oh, that was really good. But then it wasn't until I went back and revisited the just the soundtrack on itself sure. and like really dove into the lyrics and stuff that I realized, holy shit, is this amazing? Yep. So I would give Sweeney Todd another shot okay. if I were you. That's fair. And all that brings us back around to say that uh, after. Piles and piles of accolades and awards and 91 years under his belt. Rest in peace to Steven Sondheim. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. All right. I'm going to try to get through this news here as quickly as possible. Uh, so and headlines, gonna, And James. then I'm going to slow it down with the blues. That's fine. I'm going to really slow it down. Totally fine. Yeah. Uh, headlines here. Universal Pictures is developing a new remake of The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Uh, the Phantom? With huh? the, the The Phantom? No, uh, um, with what's uh, his name, the uh, asshole from Titanic, Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane. <laughs> you remember that movie? Yes, <laughs> that movie was so, so weird. Here's what makes no. This I was thinking Phantom of the Paradise. Oh god, because that'd be, be great. you know, and eh, they'd fuck it up. Yeah, they would um, fuck it up. Here's what's interesting about this new take on Phantom of the Opera. It's being produced by John Legend. Really? Yeah. So it makes me wonder. I have no idea how this is going to shake out, but it makes me wonder if it's if he's going to have maybe a hand in the music of it more so so it could be a very different take on it who he's knows a, he's a great writer he and is. he's very like i i don't know if he's classically trained but i know that like music like his knowledge of music theory and stuff is pretty pretty deep yeah i'm pretty sure so i just hope that it's very r&b actually it is very r&b it says uh this is in the sultry nightlife scene of modern day new orleans the world of jazz oh. r&b neo soul and funk that's neo from the matrix it's his soul. Uh, Neo soul and funk. Uh, the French Quarter where New Orleans is not only known as America's most haunted city, but the music, French Creole culture, the voodoo mystique, masquerade pa- uh, pagantry of Mardi Gras just lent itself to a natural adaptation of the Paris setting and a story that has revenge, unrequited love, and mystery. 
you know what I get a, from this? I think it's a really fucking cool setting for being that this is across like a smash up of Phantom of the Opera and R and B. I just hope that it's the Phantom of the Opera version of Trapped in the Closet. That's all I want out of this whole thing. <laughs> and then I put on my burrata, <laughs> and then I put on my mask, and then I crept in the courtyard. <laughs> I don't know. I just want it, just without all the weird, you know. Peeing on girls and stuff. Girls stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on here. Uh, hey, we like Kane Hodder, right? Yes, we do. Well, we're big fans of Kane Hodder. Yes. He's played Jason, obviously. Yeah. He's played... Victor. Victor. He's played, technically speaking, Freddy Krueger, because he was the glove at the end of oh, yeah. uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. Now, he's also played, a lot of people don't know this, he's also played Leatherface in the trailer... For oh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Best trailer ever, it by is, the way. right? When he turned into like King Arthur holding <laughs> yeah. the fucking thing up, the chainsaw. Uh-huh. Now, he's about to revisit that character because Kane Hodder has been cast as Leatherface in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. Uh-huh. He is doing all of the... Uh, Grunting? Like, the, 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 like, no, like, he's being motion captured and all that. Like, it's going to be him oh. as the character. Oh, Pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, cool. There's a, tr- a little bit of a trailer up uh, online for the game if you're interested in it. But uh, hey, Kane Hodder back in the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, and, that's cool. Uh, also, there's a trailer, teaser trailer released for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that is coming to Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Netflix. I did see uh, that. Fatty Alvarez directed. Mm-hmm. It uh, looks it, Fatty Alvarez produced. didn't. Yeah. Produced. Did, yeah. It's yes, a, sorry, the, produced. The, the guy who directed it is new. Yes. Hasn't directed anything yet. Correct. Or maybe a short or something. I don't know his history, so I can't say that for sure. But I'm yes, pretty sure right. he's only got two two credits it, on an IMDb, and this is one of them. So It looks a tad cookie cutter. Yeah. But it's old man Leatherface, so I'm here for the story. Right. Done. Right. And as long as it doesn't have a, do your thing, cuz, then, <laughs> then I'm going to be okay with it. So, so very, very yeah. attractive, though. Yeah. So speaking you know. of speaking of old <laughs> franchises anew, Halloween ends. Looks like uh the character of Lindsay Wallace will be back for Halloween ends. Uh cool. Kyle Richards is officially returning. Very nice. Uh so that's uh cool, I I guess. <laughs> Hopefully it's better than <laughs> Halloween kills. Oh fuck off. It wasn't good, James. I know we disagree on this. I liked it. Not good. Sorry. Um we like M. Night Shyamalan here at the the Buzzkill podcast parts. Yeah. Wait, not the Buzzkill. That's like our we like M. Night Shyamalan on our parts, is what he's saying. Yeah. What a I, twist. <laughs> I, got, I got what you were saying. <laughs> anyway, uh, his new movie, Knock at the Cabin, uh, which sounds interesting. It's M. Night Shyamalan, Cabins, and Knocking. I, All good things. <laughs> All good things, right? I'm a fan of, yeah, to, all three of those things. And to, and to, to make it a quadfecta mm-hmm. instead of a trifecta, mm-hmm. Dave Batista is going to star in it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I'm into it. Um, what I'm not a fan of is yes. that title. Knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. Why? Oh, well, because oh, maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Is it like? Is it? I'm not gonna try to explain this. Knock at the cat. It, it sounds like a stupid title to me. Okay. Knock at the cabin. You're wrong, but okay. Why? I don't know. Why does it sound good? It doesn't sound. 
Like if you were giving someone, who's at my cabin door? If you were giving someone instructions, like, hey, you turn left at the tree, and then when you get up there, you knock at the cabin. Here's what I hope. hope But that's but I hope that it's not an invasion story though. Because if Dave Bautista is starring in an invasion movie and he's the one being invaded, I just don't see how that's gonna work. No, it's stupid. Knowing, knowing M. Night, the, the twist is that it's Big Dave Bautista <laughs> being terrified by like a little girl outside, <laughs> outside the cabin or something. Actually, that, I mean, that would be creepy. <laughs> if actually, they could make... That actually would be kind of interesting to watch, too. Maybe I do want that. I don't know. It's just, it's like a tip, it's like a typical home invasion thing, but the dudes are breaking in and just being absolutely fucking mutilated by Dave Bautista the whole time. Yeah. Knock at the cabin. Okay, uh, you know what? Never mind. I'm into it. Uh, we got a trailer for Studio 666, the horror movie featuring the Foo Fighters. Oh, I didn't see it yet. Um, so that's out. Cool. Moving on. Did you watch uh, it? I, uh, yeah, it looks great. Oh. It, it looks fun. It looks campy, stupid, fun. Dave Grohl with black eyes. Come on. The blackest eye. Like a doll's <laughs> eyes. I thought you said Dave Grohl with black eyes. And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> why? what's horrific about that? <laughs> no black eyes james come did, on did Keep somebody up did somebody say black guys <laughs> um so the movie uh movie was directed by bj mcdonald uh and it's going to be releasing in theaters on february 25th so not terribly long way um moving on here uh hey del toro we like del toro um del toro is in the process of finishing up the uh, uh nightmare alley which is coming out his newest film looks good uh, he's also doing uh the cabinet of curiosities with netflix now cool. because he's done the cabinet of curiosities with netflix he's developed a relationship with them and what do you think one of the very first projects he pitched to them moving forward is going to be the cabinet in in the in the cabinet of curiosities no no outside oh. of that but now that he's established a relationship with netflix Oh boy, um, is it Hellboy related? No, it is not. Unfortunately, is, is that would be it, awesome. Uh, to get a third Hellboy movie from Del Toro, come on. Is it Shape of Water related? It is not. Is it? I'll just I'll cut you off here. Yeah, sure. Um, fifteen years ago, he co-wrote a script for At the Mountains of Madness, oh. an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation, which Sweet. I own, by the way, and it's fantastic. Great script. Oh, the script yeah. you own. I was Great like, what, what, what am I missing here? Yeah. Uh, but it never came to pass. Like I said, it was from like 2006. It never got picked up. It was big budget, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. However, uh, he he goes, the thing with, uh, he goes, the thing with Mountains the, is a screenplay that I co-wrote 15 years ago. is not the screenplay I would do now. So I need to do a rewrite. But this is exciting because he is still thinking about doing it. Sweet. I think Everybody still wants to see a Del Toro Mountains of Madness movie. So if he can somehow rewrite that, maybe tone it down just a little bit to do be like Netflix size, not gigantic hundred million dollar size. I mean Netflix size well, is still pretty fucking big. They can, but I feel like Netflix is a bit more selective of who they give that to. And again, he's an Oscar winner. He's I don't Del, know. Point is Del Toro. The point is he wants to rewrite it, whatever that whatever that the shape of that becomes. Um but I'm I'm excited. The fact that we might still get it somewhere down the line. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, that's cool. It's titillating. It is very titillating. very very titillating. Titillating. What um, t- Nightmare oh, Alley, on the other hand, though, word. is coming out <laughs> December seventeenth. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see that. Um, and yeah, all right, James, what is new on Blue? Let me titillate you. It's a, that's a terrible word. I hate that mm. word. Titillate. Mm. 
titillate. Ew. I have nipples. Can you titillate me? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Come on over here. All right. From Scream Factory, coming to 4K Ultra HD on February 15th is Joe Dante's werewolf classic, The Howling. Oh. And in uh, case anyone is curious, like I was, uh, the moon phase on February 15th is um, a waxing gibbous. Which means that Scream Factory shit the bed on that one. <laughs> but guess, okay, so this is coming out on February 15th. Guess when the full moon is? The 14th. February 16th. Oh, All they on. had to do was wait until Wednesday and they could have rele- released it on a full moon. Uh, ooh. Is it typical to release films on Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday is the new Friday. On a, has, t- on a Tuesday? On a Tuesday. It has been for a while. Really? Yep. Well, they should have fucking waited. I mean, there's still a lot that are released on Fridays, but Tuesday is the new Friday. They should have made it a Wednesday release. I don't know what's wrong with them. Anyway, yeah, Wax can give us hands. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what? You want them to release a movie on? Hump day! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> You're weird. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's uh, that's The Howling. Great movie. Yep. Um, and Oops, shit, I just lost my stuff. In case you didn't know, because I'm actually not entirely sure that I did. A remake of the Slasher Slumber Party Massacre premiered this year on Mm Sci-Fi around Halloween. This contemporary reimagining of the 1982 cult classic will hit Blu-ray and DVD on February 1st, courtesy of, you guessed it, Scream Factory. No way. Uh, Did you know that that was a thing? Yep. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm out of the loop. (laughs) Uh, And hey, guess what? Scream Factory is Scream Factorying with a Scream Factory, and they're screaming at the factory about alligators and the alligator factories, uh, and they're screaming alligators. I'm so, so excited. I'm, I will be picking up both of these releases because they're amazing. See, Mike knows what I'm talking about, even though I, I just said a bunch of gibberish <laughs> about Scream Factory. Uh, the 1980 creature feature alligator is headed to 4K Ultra HD next year, and follow uh, the follow-up, Alligator 2, The Mutation from 1991, is coming to Blu-ray both of which will be available on February 22nd. If Jaws was about an alligator in the New York sewer system, that's alligator. Yeah. It's amazing. We did it for uh, one of our episodes. Yes, we did, Michael. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Yeah, because I had never seen it before, and then I watched it for this show, and it was awesome. I don't remember doing it. I, I've, I know that I've seen but the we movie. Did. I don't remember doing it for the show, Pretty though. sure we did it with Rogue. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, you'll have to look it up, but it was awesome. (laughs) I will. Uh, Scream Factory has teased that the Alligator 3-disc set will not only include the 4K and Blu-ray versions, but also an additional Blu-ray disc featuring the rare TV version of the film with alternate scenes. Oh, hey. Which is pretty cool. I'm into that. So that's it for blues, bud. That's it? Yeah. Did you see more? I don't know. That's all she wrote, huh? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I'm into that. Okay. Okay, let's see here. Uh, My last bit of news here is... uh, James. Mm. Yeah. James. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> what do you get? Yeah. If you if you were making a movie about a vampire, right? Yeah. Stealing the Declaration of Independence. Who would you cast? Who? <laughs> 
I mean, there's there's only one logical <laughs> choice. We've been talking about the movie Renfield for a while. It's been uh, it's been on the on the supple lips of of myself <laughs> for uh, for a little bit here. Renfield so supple is the story of Renfield, you know, Dracula's assistant, sure, yeah. uh, on the boat ride from England to the New World. Yeah, and I've been pumped for this fucking movie because it sounds like such a great idea, and they have finally cast the role of Dracula. And it is none other than Nicholas fucking Cage. <laughs> I I don't know how this works, but it works. And I, this is this I just don't get it. This for me, I don't get it. I'll believe it when I see it. I don't. I like. I I, I don't doubt that he's been cast for the role. Yep. But what? And Nicholas Holt is playing Renfield. That's. That's fine, I yeah. guess. No, that's, no, it's that's great. That's fine. Like, I don't have any, but like, <laughs> Nick Cage is <laughs> <Yeah>. Dracula. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the movie was written by the guy that writes Rick and Morty, so maybe. Uh... Wait, is this a comedy? No, I don't think so. <laughs> How? How is it not? I don't think so. It's written by, what the hell's the guy's name I mean, from Rick and Morty? Does Nick Cage it... set out to make any kind of comedies, even though he makes mostly comedies? I suppose not, but like, I don't know, dude. Like, this this is bizarre. Yeah, no, I'm, which is why I'm here for it. Like, I am along for this boat ride. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to watch it. So into it. <laughs> You'd be stupid not to watch it. <laughs> right. Uh, wow. All right. Well, yeah. That's, but, uh, yeah. That's cool news, I suppose. That's it. That's all I got. All right, cool. Well, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and when we get back, we're going to talk about two movies that seemingly have nothing to do with each other. But everything to do with each other. Everything. Well, maybe not everything. Unless you're trying to figure out a title for your episode, and then oh, they have geez. nothing to do with each other. We should have called the episode, It's a Mood Piece. Oh, it is. They're both mood pieces. All right, we'll be back. Throughout this, they'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. Been uh, it's been years, James. Yes, it's been years. The Since ghost, the ghosts are back. The ghost, the ghost. Did the you ghost. say the ghost? <laughs> the, the ghost, ghost of the, the back. I have a lisp. I have a lisp tonight. Okay. Uh, the ghost of the back. Who are you gonna call? Um, Paul Rudd. <laughs> My man. <laughs> uh, okay, so I was. We, I didn't go see this movie with the intention of doing it for the show, but after I came out gushing Just about gushing. It, oh. Uh, just gushing all over the place. Uh, <laughs> I knew that we had to. Uh, and hey, let's be timely for once in our lives, right? Sure, yeah. Sort of. It's a couple weeks late now, but you know, you know what I mean. I fucking adored Ghostbusters Afterlife. As did John. Oh. What about you? I did as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so 2021 Ghostbusters Afterlife, this just came out, directed by Jason Reitman, uh, the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two original movies. Uh, he also directed Juno. I didn't realize that he directed Juno. I didn't know that either. Also, he directed Thank You for Smoking, the, uh, that Evan, uh, not Evan, uh, Earhart, uh, uh, <laughs> 
What the fuck? <laughs> Why can't I think of his name? The guy that played Two Face in The Dark Knight. Oh, uh, uh, Aaron Eckerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Aaron Eckerd movie. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm thinking of like Eckridge Farms. I don't know why I'm thinking of that. Uh, let's see here. When a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Um, I'm going to try my hardest to not spoil everything up front, but be advised that we are going to get into spoilers. Um, so if you've not seen the movie yet, just don't listen. I'm not going to try because uh, we never have before, so... That's fair. Whatever Mike decides he's going to do or not do doesn't really matter to me. Totally fair. You think after five years, we'd know by now that we can't do that. Yeah. Um, I, like I said before, <clears throat> I absolutely adore this movie. There was a lot of people that came out of this giving it shit for being like, oh, it's just another one of those paint by number reboots. And it's right. Like, it's no, it's not. Like, they, there's, there's, we mentioned this last week. There's certain beats that they do hit, right? There's part of the movie's plot that is a little bit of a redo of the first movie, but it makes sense in the context of the movie because the same thing is happening. Yeah. But it's a, but it's wrapped up in a completely different package. Yeah. So like, to me, this is like the smartest, like sort of like requel, I guess I'll call it that I've ever seen. Cause it's a sequel. But it's also kind of a reboot of the first movie. They kind of, you know, for new audiences, whatever. But, like, it's the smartest way that I've seen it done because, like I said, it's wrapped in a completely different package. The surrounding story around the events changes the shape of the entire movie. Yeah. So I I didn't walk out of this movie even thinking about the first one. I don't know about you. I didn't at all. Yeah. No, no. Like, and they even... Uh, and. I, I like how they uh, they did integrate the first movie into this one enough Absolutely. enough to help the narrative. Yeah. You know? Like I I loved how I loved how aware aware of the first one this movie the characters in this movie they were literally aware of the the uh experience the, ex- the ex- escapades of the ghostbusters. Yeah, the escapades <laughs> of the original ghostbusters, yeah. you know? It's it it's it it was it was something that was like uh a kind of a pop culture phenomenon phenomenon yeah. well even paul paul Rubb was like you don't remember the ghostbusters they were everywhere in the 80s yeah like they when took he took over new york when he first saw the trap he's like oh dude sweet replica like yeah. that's that's really cool and i thought that was just i thought that was cool like the idea because we all nerded out on uh on ghostbusters when we were younger yeah you know oh you didn't <laughs> I I will say this. I do have more specific memories watching the real Ghostbusters cartoon than I do seeing Ghostbusters as a kid. Okay. I don't actually remember the first time that I saw Ghostbusters. I I really don't. Like It's just kind of always been there. But it makes me wonder if I saw the cartoon as a child Mm. before I saw the actual movie, which is very possible. I don't remember, though. I actually... I have... I have... I don't know if I have. I think I have more memories of watching two. Oh, so do I. Ghostbusters for sure. Two. Ghostbusters two is my favorite. Because, like, it's... I that's blasphemous. You know what? Fuck that. It's not blasphemous. I've heard of a lot of people that have been like in like when looking back at it, like when they were younger to go. Well, the first one's always better, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like pop culture had a lot to do with that. Yeah. I know Bill Murray 
legendarily had a horrible time making Ghostbusters 2, yada, yada, yada. Sure, yeah. Whatever, fuck Bill Murray. Um, well, not fuck Bill Murray. I, I say fuck Bill Murray because he stopped the third Ghostbusters movie from happening when Harold Ramis was still alive. Yeah. Because he was being a fuckwad. Yeah, that's right. Calling Bill Murray a fuckwad. But, what was uh, he, I mean, but he Ghostbusters was being, 2 yeah. was amazing. It, it's a oh, great... Oh, yeah, I love Ghostbusters 2. It's a too. great movie. It's the, very good. They did, they basically just took everything from the first movie and ramped it up. The tunnel of but, slime under the city is the most memorable moment of the first two movies, in my opinion, outside of the Scalari Brothers, which that was also Scalari Ghostbusters too. Awesome, yeah. Like um, mo- my biggest memories of Ghostbusters come from two. Dude, I had night. As much as I love one, they come from two. I had nightmares of uh, what the hell was that? What was his name? Uh, Vigo the Carpathian. No, not Vigo. His little his little sidekick. Oh, the, uh, he's <laughs> the, Vigo. You are like a buzzing of flies to him. He's a uh, shit. What is his name? I can't think of his name either. I, I want to say Milos, but I know that's not <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't think of his name. But that the scene where he, where the the uh, Toby was that the little mm-hmm. was that the baby's name? Mm-hmm. Where Toby's out on the ledge. And then uh, he comes out of nowhere. His uh, Janos. 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 Yes. He comes out of nowhere as a ghost, and he's and he's uh, dressed up like a, a nanny. Yep. You know, and he's got a, like a little perambulator, and he's got the red eyes. I had nightmares about that. Oh yeah. Oh dude, that was dude. so scary. And we, one of my one of my favorite memories is uh, my buddy Dave. Uh, was absolutely petrified of Vigo the Carpathian. Are you not? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a very genuine face that you just made. Mike just tried to convince me that we weren't recording again. Because <laughs> that didn't happen tonight. Peek behind the curtain. That totally happened again. Two weeks um, up. He was petrified of Vigo oh, yeah. the Carpathian. I mean, with good reason. Sure. Because he was scary as shit. Sure. Um, <laughs> Vigo the Carpathian looked like the kind of pro wrestler that would literally kill somebody in a ring. Oh yeah, that's what he looks like. Yeah, was he? He actually was he a pro wrestler? I have no idea. He looks like a really cheap gimmick pro wrestler. He does. He kind of. <laughs> he looks like what uh, Mickey Rourke looked like in the wrestler. Oh, there you go. Yes. Right. But uh, anyway, I think his name was Wilhelm in real life. Yeah, Wilhelm. <clears throat> uh, but <laughs> so you know that cubby underneath the stairs in my parents' basement. Mm-hmm. Me and Dave and Greg. And his brother, we were under there. Doing what? I don't remember. <laughs> probably some probably some nasty shit. But no, uh, we were under there. And I think Matt... Slinging some electric ropes? Just slinging electric <laughs> ropes, dude. I think Matt just like... It was pitch black and Matt just kept going, I am Vigo. <laughs> this is not painting a good picture for me. I am Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> Dave was freaking out. <laughs> And we wouldn't let him out of there. It was funny, funny as hell. One of my, one of my, yeah. uh, my favorite memories from that has to do with Ghostbusters. Yeah, too. dude, Ghostbusters Two is a jam. It was so. It good. It is. People give it shit, so but good. it's a jam. People also give Afterlife shit already. Listen, like, I, and I don't get it. I it, really don't get it. So I had commented on it two weeks ago before I had even seen the movie, and I said, "Oh, a lot of people are saying it's just mindless fan service." First of all, it's not. Second of all. 
there is plenty of stuff that you could consider fan service. The scenes of the dogs at the end, they kind of recreated the Rick Moranis oh, Dana sure. stuff. Yeah. You know, but uh, it, stands to, it stands to reason that like if that had taken place once with Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver... With, you know, it's like the same process. It's the same. Fu- again. It's yes. the same fucking process. Like it would happen the same way. You Did know, Rick Moranis run out of a Walmart as a dog? No, no. <laughs> Afterlife for the win. <laughs> I hated seeing Walmart in this movie. God, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Oh. I like. I thought it like. I I honestly like. I was like, look at that. That's like. It's really real. Yeah, like it's I, a- to a certain to a point, I get that. But I looked over at, when we were watching. I looked at Kristen. And I just did one of these. Like oh the, the, sure the, the like international the... rubbing your fingers for money symbol, like it's like somebody. Oh, I thought you meant you were. No, no, magic fingers didn't happen. You were flicking the bean. No, no, no. I uh, no, but I looked at her. I, I just go... looked over at her and I did one of these. <laughs> She's I look... like, "Can you stop? I'm trying to watch the movie." I, I... that's every night. <laughs> I looked over at her and I just did that over, and it's like it's like somebody paid a lot of money to be. Well, in this of course, movie. of course, but but at the same time. There's something about that to me where I was like, because you, you, you watch movies and you see people in these, in these markets like these, and they're just very, they're just very generic looking markets. Like it's, it's sure. fine. It looks like a, like a Randazzo or something like that. Like some small, no smaller chain. Is. Sure. Like a smaller chain, like a Vincent Joe's or whatever. And that's fine. But people shop at Walmart. Sure. Especially in a small town like that. Sure. You shop at Walmart. Sure. So I thought it was kind of fun. Like the No, it does. It was make funny sense. like seeing Paul Rudd walking through there. It was the really terrible, harsh fluorescent light of Walmart, you know? And I was like, this is funny. It's kind it's funny. It's like it really it really kind of grounds the whole thing in reality. I could have done without the little marshmallow men. I thought that was I, if there was one thing that I thought was shoehorned in the movie. It was maybe that. That maybe was a bit much. I do agree to a certain extent. I thought it was cute when they first came popping out of the bag, and and maybe like do a little bit of the. They were almost like gremlins, like in kind Walmart, kind of kinda like you know riding around on the Roomba, getting into trouble. It and would stuff. have been better. I if, thought that was really. I thought that was funny for a couple minutes, but it I, would have been better if other things came to life in a different way, and then you also saw right the marshmallow guys pop out right. But then that was it, right? Right. That could have been like a cool little Easter and, egg. And that that I do I do get as like uh like when people say, Oh, it was mindless fan service, because that absolutely was. Yes. Because there was really no reason because in Ghostbusters, the Stay Puffed Marshma- Marshmallow Man was a manifestation of uh Ray's. of Ray's yeah. thought. That the he, first thing that he, I thought was so innocent. It was a stay, stay right. puff marshmallow. Man. Right. Yeah. There was no reason for them to come to life like that in Walmart. Exactly. Because n- nobody would have, you know, like that's not the way that it worked. Unless Gozer remembered it. Maybe. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Spoilers. Gozer's in the movie. <laughs> uh, I think if you watch the trailer, you, you had to realize yeah. that Gozer However, was However, though, movie, right? who played Gozer was uh, is still an Easter egg because she is still technically uncredited. Even though it's been pretty much outed that it was her, I mean, it looks like it, her. It does. I tell you what, though, especially if you've seen Josh, uh, Le- uh, the Lazarus effect, because it was basically her, but with kind of a flat kind of. top. <laughs> so uh, uh, Olivia Wilde 
ended up playing Gozer, which was a very good choice because she looks a lot like the original Gozer. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, uh, Josh Etner and I uh, from the Bloody Good Film Podcast, we were talking about this after we saw the movie. And uh, we were kind of going back and forth because we didn't want to put spoilers on on the internet. But uh, Josh brought up a very good point. He goes, you can Gozer the fuck out of Olivia Wilde. You can't take the sexiness out of her. No. I would still fuck Gozer. (laughs) Putting it out there. (laughs) Uh, I probably would have done it when it was... uh, You can haunt... (laughs) Was that that Brigitte Nielsen? (laughs) (laughs) I would have done it then, too. I don't think I would have done it then, but... Are you a god? (laughs) I don't know. You tell me, baby. You can you can haunt my dick. I don't care. Like I, it, all all by all means necessary. Haunt my dick. Wow. <laughs> no, but like I remember watching. We were in the theater though. I go. That looks a lot like Olivia Wilde. But I didn't hear anything about her being in the movie. Sure. At all. The other big cameo was uh, J.K. Simmons, who played. Um, I can't think of his name now, but the guy that that ran the town that built the original building in the first movie. I, Ivo Shandor. Ivo Shandor. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was J.K. Simmons. I thought that he looked relatively familiar, but I would not have put that name. Oh, to really? Him. I wouldn't. I knew it yet. was him as soon as I saw him in no, the casket. Exactly. I knew that he looked familiar. I just couldn't place him. That and again, spoilers. We already warned you once. Yeah. I'm gonna. This is the last time I'm gonna warn you. The fact that he, because he's he's in a didn't he win an Academy Award for Whip, Oh yeah Whiplash Yeah he's an Academy Award winning actor, and he was in this movie. As you won an Oscar, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in this movie for about ten minutes as a guy laying dead in a casket, and then for about thirty seconds as a guy who was alive before he is mm-hmm. swiftly dispatched. And I was like, "That's amazing! Like you got this guy, like the highest cal- one of the highest caliber actors, <laughs> in your movie, and he's just he just gets." Oft within, wouldn't, if you were a big actor, wouldn't you do that to be in a Ghostbusters? Movie? Oh, dude, yeah, absolutely. If I was an actor that big, if I was an actor who had all these accolades and like had won Oscars and stuff, I would take the dumbest roles possible just for fun. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Oh, sure. And I would, and I would ask for like so little money. Oh, I would do it for free. You know what I mean? I honestly got if I was them, I, you don't. I would the seriously. Money. I would watch short film, like I would watch short films on YouTube, and then I would call up the people who made the short films, and Let I'd be like, be "Hey, let's make let's make a let's make magic." Yeah, let's make this into a movie, and I will be your star. Sure. Oh, <laughs> How I fun would, do, would that be? Why I don't would, actors do that? Some do. In fairness, some do. I would. I would absolutely be. That, that would person, be so though. fun. Yeah. That's I don't I don't get why more people don't do that. That just sounds like that sounds awesome. Yeah. Anyway, keep right, going. So circling back uh, to the beginning of the movie here, uh, let's let's run down what this movie is even about. Um, yep. You have uh, Carrie Coon who plays Callie. Callie is uh, a babe. A babe. Yeah. She's also the daughter of Egon Spangler. Spangler. I yeah. want to say Spencer. I'm like that's not right. Spangler. Um, right. So, <laughs> uh, so it's Callie Spangler. Uh, and her son, uh, Trevor, Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard, and her daughter, Phoebe, played by McKenna Grace. Mm-hmm. McKenna Grace, who is completely unrecognizable in this movie. Yeah. Like, really. I, I know this movie was made a couple years ago, so she's obviously older now, so the things that you're seeing in her, whatever. But, like, she looks very unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. She was... Gr- 
I thought great casting with both the kids. Oh, yeah. Honestly, she was amazing. Oh, my God. Like, she, she was she, the highlight of this movie. She really was. Now, she uh, was the star. I oh, would totally. honestly say she was the absolute star of this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not Finn Wolfhard, not Paul Rudd. It was her. No, I, I agree. I agree 100%. She was so well cast. Uh, she, she played the role amazing. Like, she was so believable as a basically a baby egon oh you yeah. know what i mean like and her deadpan delivery yeah was perfect oh yeah it was spot on perfect amazing um so they so they they're living in this house they get evicted and they realize uh they or uh callie gets a call that her father passed away she's left them basically house and a property and mm-hmm. property and a house so callie trevor and phoebe moved to idaho uh, wisconsin uh oklahoma oklahoma yeah no yeah. What was it? To Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, they move basically into Egon's old house, and they're just the trying dirt to... Farmer. The dirt farmer, because he farms dirt. Nobody knows why. <laughs> like He's kind of like the old kook that lives yeah. up the road. Yeah. And uh, they discover things in the house, like a hidden compartment in the floor where the they find the ghost trap that's in the, all the trailers. They go into the the shed that has a hidden fire pole. I love how he installed a fire pole. Yeah, like from the old firehouse. Like he didn't have to do that, but he did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a fire pole in the in the shed that leads down to this big massive laboratory that he was working on stuff where there's an unfinished pro, uh, proton pack and a whole bunch of stuff. And it's this sort of like unraveling mystery of who their grandfather was, and it's such a delightful story mm-hmm. like it really is yeah finn wolfhard uh trevor plays this character where he doesn't really want to be there he doesn't care about science the way that his sister his little sister does he just wants to impress the hot chick in town and <laughs> uh who's played by um what's her name i know i have her here who is it I don't know. Lucky. Lucky is her name played by celeste o'connor mm-hmm. uh she's the daughter of the sheriff and like so everyone's kind of intertwining as very, you know, uh small towns are you came from a small town, you know what you're talking about. I did. Were you friends with the with the police chief's son or daughter? <laughs> uh um the police chief? No, I'm but Greg, my next door neighbor, his dad was the soccer coach. <laughs> Is that the same thing? Well, he was a cop. He was a state oh, cop, you know. I didn't know he was a cop. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh, I just knew him as the soccer coach. I was uh, <laughs> one of so Greg Greg his dad was a state cop my my best friend one of my other buddies his dad was a judge in town so there you go like yeah so every small every, towns everybody's everybody's, everybody's connected to everybody yeah, and then yeah. everybody like me because my dad was the guy who sold beer so you know oh so obviously everyone knows him <laughs> yeah um so that's like the the the, the tone that they're setting is in the small town rural america right right and um yeah egon was just the crazy kook that lived up the hill and suddenly ghosts start appearing <laughs> and it's I, I i had mentioned before how this movie has it's like the same movie but it's in such a different wrapping that this whole rural setting is so different than the big city setting yeah. of the first two movies right that it just feels fresh and it I, feels new. I liked the I liked how they spun the story because in uh in Ghostbusters nineteen eighty four it was a it was it was, you know, like the story was centered around this building that had been built by this uh very wealthy man, Ivo Shandor. Mm-hmm. And they found out that the building through looking at blueprints and stuff like that, the building had been uh 
built with beams that were made of selenium, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a very conductive metal. And they're like, why did why did they why did this guy make make this building out of selenium, like something that's guaranteed to be struck by lightning over and over and over, right? And then, so the way they set this up in this small rural town in Oklahoma is that the uh, selenium mine that Ivo Shandor was getting all of the selenium from was right here in this tiny little Oklahoma town. And, uh, and then within the mine, the mine is like the hub of, of all the, uh, supernatural activity. And there's like, there's ancient ruins there of the old, uh, Zool (laughs) stuff. And, and, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. They, they said the callbacks to the first movie make sense because there's a scene in the movie where they're inside like the temple, whatever you want to call it inside, inside the mines. And they, they discover there's a calendar where every so many years they try to basically come back or, or take over or open the gate, you know, what have you. Right. And one of the years was 2021. Another one of the years was 19, was 84. Yeah. So it's like, it makes sense that the same ritual will be happening not, not, again. Not 2016. Not 2016. <laughs> also not 2020. They definitely had to retrofit that because that movie was supposed to come out in 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so right. They definitely had to go back and reshoot or re-edit that, uh-huh. that whole thing with dialogue and visual effects oh, and all yeah. that. I didn't even think about that. But um, but yeah, like it. so the fact that they're retelling the story from the first movie makes sense, which is why it was not offensive to me at all. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, it's just fans. No, it's not. It's the same story. I, I, I think that I think that like people complaining about fan service was more like specifically the you know, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. The uh, oh, see the people that I talked to, it was the full fact that it was Zool, that it was oh really all of that yeah everything. Well, why yeah. why wouldn't I don't know? They wanted new characters, which would ultimately would have fallen flat on its face. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. They did add new characters. like. They they gave you all the old classics while adding in new characters. Like instead of Slimer, you had Muncher, right? Well, Muncher was, that was Muncher was kind of that. That eh, also felt a bit shoehorned to me. It it did, but he like, didn't serve the the story at all, other than to get them in a car chase. Right, that was the which the car part. chase was awesome. Car chase. <laughs> I also can super appreciate the fact that the Acto One with the fold out gunner's chair. Yeah. Was taken straight from the real Ghostbusters cartoon and not the movies. Yeah, yeah. I can totally appreciate that. Yeah, and also Phoebe's haircut was Egon's haircut from a bit, yeah. real Ghostbusters. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, who who else? Oh, there was po- podcast. I thought was funny. He so, was like his his relationship with Phoebe was really cute. The two of them were podcast was data. Uh, if you're oh, looking at well, Goonies yeah, reference here, yeah, podcast totally. was data. Y- yep. Yeah, you know his his whole thing where he's following her around because with a podcast, like he he's making a podcast. That's why they call him that, and he's just recording everything. You heard him in the intro to the episode, like he's he's just kind of there and he's this nerdy kid. But like you get the basis of Phoebe podcast and uh, Paul Rudd's character uh, Gruber Gruberson Gruberson, uh, which I loved Paul Rudd's character. I thought he was great. He was this, he 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 comes in as a substitute teacher for summer school. And he basically just puts on horror movies. Showing kids terrible Cujo. movies. He puts on Cujo at first, and then in, a, in the another scene, he's got them watching Child's Play. That's incredible. It's amazing. But then he goes into the back room, and he's studying these 
uh, events of uh, like uh, earthquakes and stuff. Uh-huh. And the scene where Phoebe walks back and the two of them just have this super adult scientific conversation <laughs> about earthquakes and seismic activity and stuff. I thought that was one of the best scenes of the movie. Yeah. Because it established Phoebe. Well, and I feel like they did it. I feel like they did it well too to where it wasn't like a lot of a lot of movies where you have like a super smart kid it comes across as kind of corny you know what i mean Uh, and 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 there was some there was something about her jokes her jokes were were amazing i was being obtuse (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were being obtuse uh like when like like you said when she first walks into that back room and she's looking around like he kind of looks at her like Who's this kid? Yeah. And then she says, like, she says, are these seismic graphs? And and then he goes, he, he there's like a moment of realization where he's like, oh, she's kind of smart. And then she says something like about the short waves or something like that. And he's like, oh, she's really smart. And there's like a, because let's be honest, like a, as an adult, when you're talking in real life, when you're talking to a kid. You don't expect to have that kind of conversation. No, you yeah. don't. Right. He's just completely taken aback by it. Right. And but it then was, realizes, okay, let me, I want to test her, see how much she actually knows. Right. And it felt pretty genuine. It like, did. like there are, you, in real life, there are interactions like that where, where like a, a teacher notices something special about a student and they're like, oh, this is a student who I could actually have a conversation with and not feel like I'm talking to a fucking Absolutely. walking, talking cell phone. Right. Absolutely. Um, I also this? what's that? Do I want to split this? Do I want to split it? Yeah. No. Okay. Why? There's another one here. You know? Oh, I didn't see that. I, th- <laughs> I thought it was the last beer. <laughs> um, I also there was something about I liked that they didn't feel the need to. Uh, I like the I like the fact that they didn't feel the need to like um, with Finn Wolfhard's character Trevor. Mm-hmm. They didn't feel the need to like have some sort of weird uh like bullying dynamic he was with the, his sister no no not not with or his sister general. like when he so when he first goes to spinners and he the burger joint and he burger joint and he I uh, wasn't gonna <clears> say it <laughs> and he and he wants to get a job there's two guys who kind of make fun of him at first and it's the two chefs which if you know anything about working at a restaurant the chefs, the, chef, the, the, the chefs Watch are always, the chefs are the assholes. Yes. Always. Yep. And it's not because they're actually assholes. It's just because when it, there's something about it's their place chefs. in the hierarchy. Right. <laughs> You're in my fucking kitchen. <laughs> like, and I, ex, I half expected that the first time that they invited him to jump in the back of the El Camino and go up to the top of Shandor's mountain there. I expected some sort of like, oh, they're luring them up there so that they can like beat them up or like, oh, yeah. or, the, or they were going to put them on the mine shaft elevator and send them down to the bottom by himself. And they like, like hazing the new kid. And kind they of. skipped all that shit. And I kind of liked that. I was like, this is, I liked the fact that there was a, there was a story where this kid came into town. They kind of made fun of him for the first night when he was being Casanova, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like they just let him be part of the group. I thought that was kind of cool because it's it goes against what you would normally see in movies there's, like this, where you would typically see there's always some asshole who's going to try and make an example of the new kid yes, and stuff like that. There's you know um, I mean? there's a very similar. I'm not going to get into this, but there's a very similar type of story in the new season of Dexter. 
oh. that, that is very kind of paint by numbers in that way. Right. I love that. I love the new season. Don't get me wrong. I haven't but there's started a, it yet, so don't. But there's a very anything. paint by numbers sort of thing with that. And I agree with you. It's refreshing to see that it wasn't that. Yeah. Like he was just accepted. It's a small town. Like they all know how tough it is. Right. Here's a new kid. Yeah. They hey, harp, come hang out. They with harped us. on him for one day and then yeah. they were like, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was great. Um, Let's talk about the ending of the movie. Okay. Let's jump ahead all right. a bit. Yeah, yeah. We all yeah, by this point we all know Zul comes back. The the ancient ruins in the mountain where we were just talking about Finn Wolfhard and the the rest of the cast were going up there and stuff. Um the 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 ancient ruins, though it's it's Zul. It's Zul's monument. It's whatever. Yeah. Well, She's uh Gozer. I'm sorry, I'm not, I kept saying Zul. Gozer. I think I've been saying Zul this entire time for oh, some reason. Well. Um I meant Gozer. Uh yeah, it's like it's like this this temple dedicated to uh, I'm gonna say it because I think uh, Gozer is pretty androgynous. It's just a, a god, androgynously hot. Well, and, <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> I, I don't know, but but Vankman says, uh, what does he say? This chick is toast. Yeah, that's true. That's actually very true. Um, yeah. So uh, so Gozer though comes back. Uh, Egon's entire thing before he died was protecting the world against Gozer. Mm-hmm. Like he knew it. Like there's a part in the movie where. You see Ray for the first time. It goes to Ray's occult books because mm-hmm. they bring that back, which I thought was awesome. Um, and he talks about how Egon one day just skipped town, took all the proton packs with him, didn't really say much to them, disappeared, took everything with him, kind of ruined their lives because they had this whole sweet Ghostbusters gig going, and he took everything from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why Ray sells the bookstore. They said that uh, Bill Murray uh, or uh, uh, Venkman went back to teaching, teaching which I don't know how he got back to teaching after getting fired from prestigious colleges, but hey, yeah. who cares? He can talk his way into He anything. went back to being a teacher. Uh, Winston became a doctor. Like, he, not a doctor. Not a he's doctor. A bi- no. like a billionaire no. businessman. He is a doctor. I He's Dr. Winston now. They talk about it in the Ghostbusters video game, which is canon. I'm fairly certain. Are you sure? Because he's doesn't not... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's a businessman, okay. and he owns a bunch of properties now, and there's, that's a whole other thing, too. But like, So they've all done different things. I did think that it was a missed opportunity to not show Venkman in college doing his thing and to not show Winston doing his thing, to just have it be Dan Aykroyd's character, and then the way that they show up at the end was very disjointed to me. Like It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Actually, there's a lot about the end of the movie that Why? make a lot of sense. Um, first off, let's let's we'll get let we'll get there. I kind of okay. need to shape. All right, this. sure. Gozer comes up or whatever, and he they, has, he is Doctor Winston Zedmore, By the that's way, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Listen to me more often. No, man. I won't. Um, so they come to find out that Egon's entire property. He wasn't a dirt farmer. He was setting a gigantic like property sized trap for gozer uh-huh. is what he was doing yeah because he was the only one that actually realized what was coming and uh the kids uh phoebe and uh trevor and everybody they they come to realize this and they have this big showdown with gozer at the very end and just when you think that gozer is got the upper hand all of a sudden it cuts to a proton you know blast and then you see winston venkman and uh uh, what's Dan Aykroyd's name? What's wrong with Ray? Him? Ray, Jesus Christ, Ray stands. <laughs> Ray stands. Um, 
they're they're all sitting there with proton packs on. They come to save the day, and it's this big, all happy Ghostbusters reunion with the old cast, the new. It's fantastic, right? Sure. Here's what doesn't make sense. Ray's talks about in the beginning of the movie or the middle of the movie how Egon took all the proton packs with him. They yeah. only had four with him. Yeah. They only had four proton packs. Yeah. Those four proton packs were set up in the mines to keep Gozer at bay on a timer. Right. Right? Yeah. All four of those proton packs were still in the mine. Then the only other proton pack that there was was the one that was in the hidden laboratory that Phoebe fixed. Right, right. So they have that one. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that that was one they were using in the car the whole time when they were chasing Muncher and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Phoebe has that pack on her when she gets tossed to the side by Gozer. Uh-huh. Suddenly, Lucky comes out of the house with a proton pack on, and she's firing at Gozer. Uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard, uh, uh, Trevor's quasi-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Suddenly, she has a proton pack on. Uh-huh. I don't know where that one comes from. And then, all three of the original Ghostbusters show up with their proton packs. Mm-hmm. There are five proton packs here that are out of place. Four, sorry, four proton packs that are completely out of place at this point. I think. No, five. Because, <laughs> sorry, podcast has one inside the Ecto-1 still, too, that is malfunctioning. Where did all of these proton packs come from? No, the malfunctioning one was the one that Trevor had on. His was malfunctioning because the, the Marshmallow Men were pulling all the cords and stuff. But but where did that one come from? Because Phoebe had the original one on her. The one, when you said that she was in the gunner seat using the... I think that there was one attached to the gunner seat. Okay, if that's the case, then then podcasts is explained away. Yeah. But that does not explain the one that Lucky was wearing, and it does not explain the three that the original Ghostbusters were wearing. Yeah. Egon took those with them. Why do they have proton packs? <laughs> Unless they went to the... They don't know they're there. Unless they went to the mountain. <laughs> but they don't know they're there. Because <laughs> they have no idea what he was planning this whole time, because they didn't believe him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So like, it doesn't really make any sense. The no. setup, the setup for the original Ghostbusters coming back, it's really it comes out of nowhere. They could have really set that story up better. Like when they called Ray and they're talking to him on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. There could have been some insert scenes of Ray calling Venkman, of Ray calling Winston, right? I don't feel like that's I feel necessary. Like, I feel like that it would have been connective tissue that f- would have made it all flow way better. But that's not no because why do they no, know? No, because then because then because then it ruins the surprise at the end. Like everybody knew that they everybody were going to come. Already knew they were coming. Everybody back. knew they were coming back. But there's something about the feeling that you get when you see all all of them on screen at the same time for the first time. I get that, but all like it could have been if you got a call Ray, of him. But all it could have been was Ray calling the other guys, telling them that Egon died because they didn't know. I guess you wouldn't even really need to cut to them. You could just keep on him exactly making the calls. But again, Something. that's just but again, that's just like mindless filler but that you don't it's need. It's not mindless though; it's connective tissue. He it's, did, but he he did it. He did that. You just have to kind of I, fill that space in yourself. But he doesn't know what's going on there. Though all he knows is that this girl was calling him, saying, "Hey, I'm Egon's granddaughter. We found this stuff. 
Ray doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. He doesn't know that there's a massive attack going on. They never, yeah. they never, he doesn't know that. There's no reason for them to show up at the end of the movie without some sort of contextual strings. Well, he did say that, he did say that, uh, um, Spangler had called him about 10 years after he had left and explained to him what was going on. And he didn't believe him at the time. But maybe now that Phoebe was calling him, I don't he suddenly realized, oh shit, everything that, Egon was trying to tell me. As a viewer, I understand that you can put that together, but I feel like from a story perspective, there's five more minutes worth of movie that just could have connected it all together better. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all I'm saying. I felt I felt personally like it would have needed. If I have any if I have any um complaints about the movie, it's that. I, I just feel like that could have been connected better. Yeah. You know, a more more of a bridge of the old to the new. I'm sure it could have been. But I'm not. I don't. That's not something that I would hold against the movie too too harshly. Oh, personally, I'm not know. holding it against it. Yeah. But I'm just taking a critical look at it. That's sure. All. Yeah. If I have to point out all the good, I'm going to point out. Yeah. Some of the bad too. But yeah, that's for it. sure. Um, outside of the original cast that came back, though, you have Annie Potts that came back as Janine. Sigourney Weaver had a post credit scene with Venkman, uh, doing the old uh, card trick thing, and she gets to shock him now. It's kind of funny. Um. I don't know. I I just loved this movie. I did too. I walked out of the theater feeling like a kid. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. Like I had a smile on my face a mile wide the entire time. Yep. And I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how I don't get how anybody can say bad things about this movie. No, I felt the same way. I liked all the characters. The humor was there. Uh it was the the uh, the return of the originals was awesome. Mm-hmm. The tribute to to Harold oh, at the geez. end, like like having you know having him come back when they first when they like when when Phoebe is having her standoff with Gozer and then they cut over to Phoebe and the first time you see her hands on the pro the pro, proton blaster yep. and you see his hand over her hand I was like oh shit. I welled up I'm not even going to lie I didn't well up I I'm did not a douche, I'm a bitch but... I don't even care <laughs> no I'm not kidding I'm not, it, it, it made me a little bit emotional yeah, seeing it, like, this movie was such a beautiful tribute to yeah, Harold Ramis. Yeah. Totally. Like, it, it, above anything else, that's what this movie was. And that I think is what makes it so special. Yeah. This is a, a franchise that like, it's almost like, like Jason Reitman knew that they, they missed the boat making the third movie that everybody wanted. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Harold Ramis wasn't around to see this, so we're gonna do the biggest love letter to him we possibly can, and yeah. just disguise it as a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, and they also showed his ghost a lot more than I thought they would. They did. I thought it was gonna be kind of fleeting when I first saw him. I go, okay, so he's there, and then he'll disappear. No, he stuck around for like the entire third act. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not third act, but like the last, like, like last, the last bit fifteen, of it. twenty yeah. minutes he was there. He yeah. was there a lot. Yeah. No, and I'm so happy they didn't have him talk. Yeah. Same. They played it it's, perfectly. It's kind of weird because you're like, you're almost kind of waiting for it, like expecting him to say something. Yeah. So you're, you're you're like kind of sitting there on the edge of your seat, but I'm glad that they ultimately didn't have him talk. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, um, what did bother? One thing that bothered me is that they put so much in so much of an emphasis on the chess game, and then the two of them never finished the chess game. <laughs> Fair. Never. Fair. Like I thought, 
I thought that would have been one of the last things before he pieced out forever. Egon was really aggressive in that chess game, too. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, you yeah, have to be, right? granddaughter. Come on. Well, you know, you got to teach him early. Speaking of things that are aggressive. Yes. Return to Oz. <laughs> There's nice. your segue. Very nice. Uh, to finish it up, Ghostbusters Afterlife, mm. amazing movie. Go see it. It's yeah, I, fantastic. I loved it. All right, moving on to a much older movie from 1985, Return to Oz, directed by Walter Merck. Uh, Walter Merck uh, has, did not have much of a directing career. In fact, this is the only f- movie he ever directed. But he did do sound work on THX 1138, the original uh George Lucas movie, mm-hmm. uh, The Godfather, Parts 1, 2, and 3, American Graffiti, Apocalypse Now, Ghost. This dude worked on some heavy hitters in the, th- in the sound department. Um, he directed this um, quasi-sequel, sort of on its own Oz movie that is a fucking nightmare just, to watch. Just one of the weirdest sequels it really is. Ever. <laughs> it really is. Um, if you've never seen this movie and you're confused as to why we are talking about a Wizard of Oz movie on a horror movie podcast, you need to watch this movie. It because is terrifying. It's fucking, it, it's nightmare fuel. <laughs> it really is. I uh, um, I had my daughter. I was watching it, and I had I had my daughter sit down because I wanted to show her TikTok and I wanted to show her Jack. Don't do. Don't get her on TikTok. Why? Oh, shut up. I want to show her TikTok. I want to show her Jack and uh, and and um, the Grump. Is that was is that what it's called? The Grump. I think it's the Grump. Yeah. Um. And I was like, I was like, look at this. I oh, I was like, oh, there's a talking chicken. Her name's Belina. Gump. Gump. The Gump. I was like, oh, there's a talking. And then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> Mommy popped up on the screen. I was like, oh yeah, she's not very nice. She's just mad that they're trying to run away. I was like. You know how Rapunzel's mom wants her to stay in the castle? Like, that's all she's trying to do. And she's, you know, never mind the fact that she just took her head off. (laughs) (laughs) And she got up and left. But, uh... (laughs) Which is funny. I can see her loving this movie. Um, I imagine that she will in a few years. Like, I I started watching this movie when I was very young. Mm -hmm. And... I do. I remember it scaring the shit out of me it's when I was younger, movie. but I loved it. Like the wheelers were scary as hell. Mombi is so scary. Um, I, um, the uh, the 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 gnome king. Oh, the yeah. gnome king was. Always... Do you know who the gnome king is? No. So in well, it's, uh... in my favorite movie of all time, Spawn. Oh, it's the he's the the watcher the guy he's the, the original spawn guy in the trench coat yes the, yeah that's him okay i can't think of his name right now i haven't uh, uh nicole Nick, williamson nicole williamson yeah that's yeah. him <laughs> kind of crazy oh hell yeah dude uh and piper laurie plays aunt m piper laurie of who course, is yeah. uh dorothy's aunt uh-huh. uh and feruza ball so okay so i'm watching this last this was night. her first her, her film, very first I think, right? yeah it was and she's incredible in it oh yeah i'm watching this last night and i'm looking at Kristen. i go this little girl looks so fucking familiar. Like she you didn't reminds know who, me. Was, his, this is the first time you. No, it's seen not. This movie? That's the thing. I just don't think I really realized who Feruza Balk was <clears throat> when I when I had seen this when I was younger. Oh. So I'm like, she looks so familiar. She almost looks like Feruza Balk mixed with maybe somebody else, right? Like I can see her growing up to be this person. Sure. And then it was bothering me, so I went to IMDb. I'm like, oh my god, it is Feruza Balk. <laughs> like holy shit, she had mouth movements that were very much the same. 
Oh, well, like, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. of Farouza Balk, it's the like, her mouth movements are like second to none. Like, <laughs> like, like she, that, that, she, she's the only person whose mouth moves like that. I guess is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Weird. It's just not my number. It's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's and some other, so many other, other people. Uh, in this movie that have been in other stuff. Like you have people from like Star Wars that were in this movie. You have uh, 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 Brian Henson was the voice of Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Uh, so lots of lots of people in it. It's not, if, if you've only ever seen the original Wizard of Oz, you will be, I, I don't know, you'll feel like on an acid trip watching this movie because that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, this movie is incredible. I hadn't seen it in years. The, Not since I was younger. Yeah. And rewatching it as an adult, I have such much more of an appreciation for it now. Yeah. And I kind of love it. Oh, I've Not o- that I didn't love it before, but I really kind of love this movie now. I've always loved it. Uh, when I watched it as a kid, it was just, it was a fantasy movie, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it was what it was. It was, it was like, it was like watching uh wizard of oz because i also love the original wizard of oz um it was like that and 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 it was just straight up fantasy Mm -hmm. this movie has taken on such a different sort of meaning to me now that i'm older this was the first time i watched it uh i don't know it's probably been about i don't know 15 years since i've watched it um they really don't they really don't do a convincing job of 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 making you think that it's just that it's like her traveling to a fantastic land. No, it's see, m- it's more so like this is a young girl who's suffering from PTSD and possibly schizophrenia. Oh yeah, oh one hundred percent. And she's actually like this, they don't really hide it. Like either. this world building that she's doing is just delusion oh yeah it's 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 complete delusion <laughs> and and it's really kind of it's sad it's it, it yeah it sad is sad and like scary like it makes it more scary i want to talk about the movie but i also really want to talk about the original oz books spooks the spooks the oz uh, I was gonna say series series and books yeah. um so this movie is i did a deep dive on the history of this movie because i wanted to learn more about it before sure. we talked about it tonight yeah and uh I knew nothing about it, honestly, outside of watching the movie when I was a kid. Like, I didn't really know anything about the Oz books, about this movie and how it fit in and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. This movie is the most faithful adaptation of the original Oz books. The original Oz books are dark. Well, it blends blends, uh, elements from all all three of the books, right? Not really. All three of the books. There's tons of books. Well, there's... There's, Well, uh, from... What a, uh, it's Wizard of Oz, Wizard Land of Oz, Oz Land of and Oz, and Great, Great, or Ozma of Oz. Ozma of Oz, yeah. yeah. So Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz are basically where Return <laughs> to Oz comes from. Okay. Um, there are certain things like the Ruby Slippers are not in the original book. Right. That's taken from the original, um, the original movie from the 30s, which the which they actually had to Disney had to pay MGM money to use the Ruby Slippers in this right sort of. It's kind of connected, and they I, only used ruby slippers in the original because it was Technicolor. Right? It was wasn't that the first movie it was ever? First, first movie, movie ever yeah. te- Technicolor, yeah. right? But like, there's there's a lot of things about it that are directly from the original books, like the tone of it, like 
the original author, his I don't have the author's name in front of me, but I don't have um, this. Is it uh, Baum? Merck. Uh, Merck. Uh, no, no, no Merck is the director of this. Uh, no, Baum, it, yeah. Uh, L. Frank Baum. L. Frank Baum, yeah. His original novels, uh, children's novels, are terrifying. Like, not because they're, I mean, they're written as children's books, but they're super dark. The content is, is very adult. It's yeah. very, you know, the guy wrote the original Wizard of Oz and never intended on writing more books. And he had a whole bunch of other ventures that failed. And the only thing that he was successful at was these books. And children would write to him saying they want more stories about the Tin Woodsman and the Scarecrow and this and that. Mm -hmm. And he finally did it years later, wrote a second book, and that turned into this whole litany of a series of books. And the thing is, is that Baum wanted to write adult novels but nobody would read them. Mm-hmm. So he started putting all of these adult things into these children books, <laughs> which is why they're these weird amalgamations of like children's stories, but these, but real life consequences and very adult situations, which and is no, I mean, that's crazy. That's not, that's not necessarily something new or revolutionary. Like the, look at, at the, the time. It was. Well, look at the brothers, the brothers Grimm fairy tales. Sure. Those are very dark. Oh yeah. Like some of those, some of those deal with, some really sick carol's shit. carol's original alice in wonderland like like You're right they're all very dark though that's yeah. the thing like the the 1930s <clears throat> wizard of oz movie um by all accounts was a huge detriment to the original books because it painted those novels in a light that was not intended mm-hmm. like like a lot of the other adaptations of the wizard of oz are these very happy-go-lucky, bright, oh, Dorothy and the Scarecrow and everything's great. And, mm-hmm. yeah, not at all. Like, that's not the way that the that that bomb intended those to be. Sure. So like, to a lot of like uh, scholars and stuff who study the work and all that stuff, like that that movie, as great as it is, and it is, it should be respected as it is, but it it did not do the series any favors because it changed everything about it. Uh-huh. So Return to Oz, everyone looks at it like this crazy, drugged up, fever dream, uh, horrible horror movie, right? Yeah. That's what they were. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to go back and see this piece of history made by Disney, no less. Yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of preserves what the novels were. Like You don't really get that anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of cool. I, I like the history of these books more, I think, than I like the movie at this point. Yeah. Because it's fascinating. Yeah. Um. But yeah, go, go into the movie, though. Um, so it basically starts off with young Dorothy Gale, which they decided to... I, Judy Garland, I think, was in her 20s when she, she played... She was 16. Oh, was he? She was 16. Was six, okay, so... Farusa Balk was 10. Right, okay. So obviously a much younger actress. <laughs> yeah. uh, Apparently six months has gone by since the tornado, and she has... And she has de-aged, de-aged by six, six years. years. <laughs> um, but you basically open up with... It, it's pretty bleak. I mean, like... You've got uh, uh, um, Dorothy, Auntie M, and Uncle Henry all living in this house that they're rebuilding because the previous house had been destroyed by the Twister. And uh, Auntie M and Uncle Henry are very concerned because uh, because Dorothy's not sleeping. She's just not acting like herself anymore. She keeps talking about Oz. And keeps talking about this. Yeah, keeps talking about this strange land where she went and met all these weird characters and what no go on go on and and uh and and so they're starting to talk about 
taking her to see this doctor who can who claims that he can kind of you know pull these bad thoughts from her head. Sure. And... Can I can I can I cut in here real quick? Sure. Uh, they basically want to electroshock her and make her forget about all of these delusions that she had. Right. It's basically the idea. Right. And it's framed in a way that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fra- it's it's at first the doctors when he fr- I've got so many memories of watching this like when he first pulls the machine out and he's showing mm-hmm. her like oh it's here's, a face. <laughs> here's the, you see it's a face. Here's the eyes and here's the nose and right here of course is the mouth yeah, <laughs> and what's this right here it's his tongue <laughs> and it's like oh yeah he's a friendly little guy and then and then you know nurse ratchet fucking puts the things on her head and i know it's not nurse ratchet uh, uh <laughs> but then all of a sudden it's this sinister looking thing with all these lit up bulbs and, yeah you know and and i i remember watching that when i was younger and just going god how do they turn something that looked so that that the doctor was being so friendly about into something so menacing within 10 minutes. Even, I would say even before this though, like that, like everything leading up to even this part, of, I guess, I, wait, is it after it when she's on the stretcher? It's after Strapped it. They, down on the, yeah, like, so that, the that's whole, after that. The actually, whole yeah. sequence of like her getting to the hospital and meeting, uh, what was, what was the nurse Mombi's actual name? Uh, Do you nurse know? Wilson. Nurse Wilson. Yeah. Like meeting nurse Wilson and nurse Wilson is dressed like fucking bloody Mary. Yeah. She, like she with the creepy ass. She reminded me a lot of the, um, the witch from Snow White actually. The uh, black, the oh, black the, gown with the high shoulder pad, spiky. Uh, Maleficent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was terrifying looking and like, it, like the, the part where she, and you know me with like people with their backs turned and stuff like what the part where she like opens the door and you you just see nurse wilson like going around the corner with her long black dress trailing behind her and the high shoulders on yep. the dress i'm like that's fucking terrifying oh yeah oh yeah um and they they, they play it off when the mom's there or uh, the aunt rather when aunt m is there they kind of play it off like oh we're, we're gonna do everything's gonna be great we have meals for her and this is gonna be great and yeah. yada yada and then aunt m leaves and suddenly it's a it's like uh it's like fucking uh happy gilmore you know with uh <laughs> grandma at the uh nursing home or whatever get me out of here <laughs> it's kind of like that you know and she gets locked into this room all by herself she, she does nurse wilson even says you can take a nap if you like that's the same as <laughs> now you will go to sleep or i will put you to sleep <laughs> you're in my ass. world you're in my world now grandma my fingers hurt <laughs> um but yeah, no, that, that's it, though. They locked Dorothy into this psych ward room, and this girl comes in to visit her and gives her a jack-o'-lantern, who is a... F- a figment, a, a of, figment her, of her imagination. Yes, this, okay. It's <laughs> let's just get... Hold on. So let's let's lay this out on the table right yeah. now. Do you think anything happened? Do you think that she traveled to Oz and any of this happened? I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think that what, you can... What do you think, though? I think that the way that this movie was framed, I've never read the books, right? So I don't know how in the books it was originally framed. But in this movie, it's overwhelming to me that this is the the paranoid schizophrenic delusions of a little girl. And that everything that she sees is automatically going to become a character and this and that. And... It's and it's a very sad story because yeah. it's a story about mental illness uh-huh. is what it is and how 
everybody in her life becomes this thing. And that's why she's there in a psych ward. And that's why she's getting electroshock therapy. And mm-hmm. that's why her aunt and uncle are so worried about her. And that, it, like, it's all, it, it all fits so well into that mold. Yeah. But then on the other hand, what, you know, what if the original intent, at least of the novels was that Oz is real and there mm-hmm. is a place that she goes to or, or as an alt, it's just a little girl's imagination and her aunt and uncle think she's crazy. But how fucking dare she have an imagination and be creative? Um, you know, it'd be no different than me being going out when I was a kid, going out into the woods and playing Power Rangers, right? Like, I did that all the time. But when it starts to affect your your life in a way that's detrimental. Sure. You know. No, I get like, that. M- maybe how many kids maybe have imaginary your friends, brain though? isn't necessarily the answer, but how, how many kids have imaginary friends? Well, of course, their they parents have imaginary think, friends. That a par- their parents think they're crazy though, and they just grow out of it. Whatever, sure, they're kids, yeah. right? You know, like. But it, but the way they make it seem is like it. It got to a point where it was an obsession with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she couldn't stop talking about it. Sure. And there was, so to me, everything, especially so like Ozma. The little girl mm-hmm. who comes to visit her and brings her the jack-o'-lantern. That's just a figment of her imagination, Ozma, as far as I'm concerned. Ozma is her. That's the thing. She talks about at the end of the movie. She goes, I wish that I could be in two places at once. And then all of a sudden, and Ozma then shows Ozma up. And you know, we see her earlier uh, a couple times in the movie, but like she walks in to the mirror. Like she's looking like like Ozma and she says, is, help me step through the pain. Yeah, Ozma oh, is now. Does she actually say... No, she says, "Help me step help, through the glass." Step, step through the glass, right? Mentally, right? But like, it's like Ozma though is her personality in Oz now, right? Right. Dorothy's in the like real that world. part of her, Ozma that part of is, her mind that she allowed to stay back in. Yes, Oz, this that's magical land of Oz. That's kind of how I, I well, took it. And as, because, yeah. it, it, because even though, I was thinking, like, but even though Ozma was supposed to be the daughter of the ruler of Oz, but if if it's all in her head. Right. She can be whatever she wants. Well, and here's the reason I think that it's all in her head is because Ozma in Oz was trapped in this mirror realm, yeah. right? Yeah. So it wouldn't have made any sense for her to be able to physically manifest in by the waking, it's you know, like the 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 conscious life of Dorothy yeah. Gale. It's it's worth it to note though. <clears throat> Encased by Nurse Wilson slash Mombi. Right. That make that that's that's important because you have the nurse at the hospital trying to suppress this other version of her. Right. They want to get that out of her. Right. So she's suppressing her in the mirror. Right. It's very important. And the and the doctor, the the doc Dr. Worley is the gnome king who is also keeping people oppressed and everything else. Like it's it's it all makes sense. And I think the movie and, it, and is, it's 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 dark at the end too, where like uh, so, sk- skipping ahead, uh, she makes it through this whole ordeal, and they find her in the middle of the woods, yep, muddy, laying in the mud after having you know floated down the river or whatever. And Aunt Em tells her, and this this is dark. This is a kids' movie, but Aunt Auntie Auntie M tells her that the place was struck by lightning and it burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. And everybody survived except for Doctor Worley, who had run back into the building to try and save his equipment. You know, yeah, yeah. like that's 
that's pretty dark. And then it's, it's dark until you understand where I think if this was if if this was supposed to be a direct adaptation of Baum's early work mm-hmm. of Baum's work or whatever, Baum's the entire Oz series is filled with the notion of a very very much a socialist view of things, <clears throat> very much a a uh, political. He doesn't like the man. Doesn't like um, rich people. Like doesn't like doesn't like the, the fact that the rich owns everything. You know. Yeah. Um, a lot of his writing throughout this entire Oz series is all about how, you know, the people in Oz they work because they're happy to work. Everybody, nobody is above anybody else. Everybody, everybody does everything for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So everything is equal. This and that. The Gnome King is looked at as. A higher up, like as as a, as a rich person who has tons. Even Dorothy says, you know, the Gnome King is only mad because the original people of Emerald City stole his emeralds. Like all of the emeralds in Emerald City belong to him. Mm. The people stole it from him, and he wants it back. And even Dorothy's like, but you have so much. Mm-hmm. And the, the Gnome King's like, that's not the point. The point is, is that it was mine, and I want it back. Right. Which is completely counter to this whole socialist type of looking at how things should be. Right. And that's the tone of the entire Oz series in terms of the novel. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense in the in the book that that character, the Gnome King slash Dr. Worley, would go back to get his things. He's very selfish. He wants the things to oppress people and keep them down and everything else. So that makes sense. But the tools... Like his, was... own, his own greed is what killed him. But the tools he was using, but in real life, he didn't, these weren't tools of oppression. Like an electroshock therapy unit is not a tool of oppression. It's actually serving to help somebody in a way. Unless the story was written in terms of creativity and the imagination. Like people want to keep you down in that way. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to pretend like I know what he was thinking when he wrote it, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, Anyway, though, this... So, so there was... So, <laughs> there was a... I, I drew a weird parallel toward the end of the movie, uh, and, and we can wrap this up. No, 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 we're, we're good, we're good, we're good. Um, at the end of the movie, it, it gave me, like, Babadook vibes, because she's... So, she had, had, she had gone through the whole, whole ordeal, right? And she's... And Ozma had told her, like, any time... I, I might stop in to check in on you every once in a while, mm-hmm. right? And if we're thinking of Ozma as this manifestation of her, uh, you know, like herself in in a way, but like her other self, right? Yeah. Her, you know, like this this mirrored version of herself. She says, I might stop in to ch- check, in, check in on you every once in a while. And so Dorothy had made it through the whole thing, and she's standing in her bedroom, and she looks into the mirror, and she sees Ozma in the mirror. Yeah. And then she calls Auntie M up, and Ozma looks at her, and she goes, shh, like, yeah. don't tell her. Yeah. Like, this is just between you and me. And then Auntie M comes in, and she says, oh, no, it was just a reflection. And it's like, that's kind of that's it is, kinda it how... It was a reflection of her true self. Right. But if you're thinking about it in terms of her being a possibly a paranoid schizophrenic or delusional or, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like... It's like her struggling with mental illness, but that that side of her saying, "Just keep it to yourself." Yeah, like we we can live with it. Like we can live with this if we just keep it to ourselves. Sure. 
Like and, don't don't let people and see, that's and that's how the that's stuff, how the yeah. end of the, that's how the end of the Babadook was when you know because you know Babadook was like a a, a parable about mental illness sure. right absolutely and at the end of the movie when they go down to feed the Babadook in the basement and then the kid says uh, you know will I ever get to see it and mom says you know when you're older this idea of like this idea of like uh it's it's not exactly the same but like you know it's kind of like a hereditary thing like hereditary you're gonna, you're gonna thing deal with this too when you're older yeah but it's but it's it's manifested as a as a physical thing that's locked away locked away and not to be talked about right yeah and that's kind of how i that's kind of the sense that i got from this was like this is this is now her her sort of uh that part of her whatever you want to view it as like a, a mental illness or whatever that she's locked away and yeah. she's keeping to herself oh absolutely and that's it made it even more sad and even more creepy to me absolutely it's really like i don't know it's it's kind of a watching it as i'm older now it's it's sort of a tragic movie so one of the uh i, I do want to before we end here um I do want to point out some things that we were talking about how this movie is absolutely terrifying and this and that. Like we've been, we've been, I feel like we've been talking more about the breakdown of what the movie meant well, at, sure. rather than the actual movie here. It tends to happen but with there, movies that are this old too. Yeah. You know what I yeah. Mean? There are, there are things though. There are certain things like the wheelers themselves. We didn't even talk about the wheelers, but the wheelers are fucking terrifying. Terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> The rock monster, uh, well, King Gnome, rock and then monster. the King Gnome and like his minions, like the rock demon things, uh-huh. are, are it's like it's it's a mix between stop motion, real life, uh, practical effects. Like it's it's fucking like it's great. Like it's just it's awesome. Like it's it's nightmare. It's like an acid. The whole movie is like an acid. Trip, oh first yeah, off. yeah. But like like that the 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 Gnome King's whole like layer the whole third act of the movie is incredible the 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 finale where the the, the gnome king gets bigger than everything else he's kind of in mm-hmm. the background or whatever it's it's terrifying hey, you it said really is. you said you did a deep dive on the movie is there a so is there a reason that they chose to halfway between the interact like halfway through the interaction with the gnome king is there a reason that they changed from stop motion to an actual physical actor? I think the idea was that the Gnome King wanted to present himself more like a human. Oh, he actually. To, he, he, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, yeah, he does he, mention it. Yeah, actually, he does. So it's one day I it's, will be human. It's like, only after who goes back there first? Was it uh, the Gump? Mm-hmm. It's only after the Gump goes back that he suddenly becomes a human actor, right? Yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes more he sense. Wants now. To, yeah, he yeah. wants to come off as more human to not scare off Dorothy or something like that. Like I actually, well, feel no, like, he actually, he actually, oh, I actually, feel and like, he's supposed to be the doctor. Yes, he. So there's there's something there. This oh, movie's sure. So much. There's, yeah. This movie's really deep. Like I, I actually feel like I actually feel like the the Gnome King is not so much a bad guy as. It's a difference of opinion. Like right. he's not wrong because the thing is he's not wrong. These things belong to him right. and they were stolen from him and he wants them back. Right. He's not wrong when he says that's not the point that I have a lot. The point is, is that it was stolen from me. You right. know? Like that doesn't make him a bad guy and that kind of goes into the whole socio-political thing again of sure, yeah. you know and socialist and things should be shared, should they not be? Should they it, it, there's a whole other <laughs> debate there which I'm not going to get into. 
but it's it's interesting. The movie has a lot of layers. Um, but we're talking about the horror aspects of this, right? And how terrifying certain things are. And the Gnome King scenes are, are if you're a fan of just effects and horror movies, you'll yeah. love this. I also thought that there are certain scenes in the movie, even though it's impossible, at least in my opinion, that they could have even been part of it. The scene where uh, 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 Dorothy is getting wheeled down in the, in the insane asylum. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, the insane, for all intents and purposes, the insane asylum that yeah. she gets brought to in the beginning. The scene where she's being wheeled down the hall, strapped to a gurney with the doctor's stuff, reminded me of The Shining so much. The Shining? Like, the halls of that hospital just look like the halls of The Overlook oh, to really? me. I just got Shining vibes from mm. that entire beginning. And then also there's the scene where... Um, Who's the chick with the? She kept taking her head, her head off, and she had she's like thirty different heads. She oh, Mombi, Mombi, yeah, yeah, Mombi, where you find her head in the cupboard. Yeah, was that was, was the, that not Pamela Voorhees's head in part two? Oh, dude, like it was. I, I know they probably had nothing to do with each other, right? Yeah, yeah. but you can't as a horror fan watch <laughs> that and not think that that part used to scare the shit out of me like, too when fuck? she opens her eyes and she. Like she could have opened her eyes and just been like, ah, like, yeah. But the way she says, she says, Dorothy Gale. I'm like, ah, yeah, dude, it's, it's so scary. But it's so Friday to part two. Oh, right? totally. It's, it really Absolutely, is. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's just it's it's. I'm looking at my notes here. It's it's so good. Yeah. Like I like this movie so much more now that I rewatched it. I actually like having like having talked about more of this stuff now, I want to watch it again. I think that there's so many more layers to this movie that even we've talked about tonight. And these are, this is stuff that's, you know, these are revelations to me just after rewatching it after 15 years. Yeah. So I want to read the original books now. I do too. Yeah. That'd be Um, great. So one, one quick thing that I thought was actually really interesting before we quit here um, is that, Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, and George George Lucas had a huge impact on this movie. What? How so? Uh, in in the sense that uh, Walter Merck, the director of the movie, he was originally hired to do it, and uh, the studio fired him and hired another guy to take over the process weeks and months into production. Mm-hmm. That guy then ended up getting fired. And it was Francis Coppola, Spielberg, and Lucas that, because they knew the guy, he was their sound guy on a lot of their stuff, Mm -hmm. they vouched for him and told the studio to basically rehire this guy, and if anything goes wrong, we will step in. George Lucas himself even said that if Merck doesn't uh, doesn't, uh, come through and finish the movie, I will step in, I will finish the movie, and you can say that this movie was directed by George Lucas. No shit. That's kind of crazy. Like yeah. it's, it's funny the 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 whole like the the interpolitics of the movie studios and who has pull to do what is mm-hmm. also just as fascinating to me as the movies themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of crazy. This movie could have been directed by George Lucas, but then it could have been like a Poltergeist thing. Like who really directed it? You know, like <laughs> I find that kind of very interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never knew that Return to Oz had connections with three of the biggest names in sci-fi Hollywood. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. So, kind of cool. Um, 
can I just end on I we just took a break for a second so yep. that I could uh, use the bathroom and I thought about something while I was in the bathroom. Sure. I just got to throw it out there real quick because we've been sort of theorizing about this movie. <clears throat> in this movie everything is every everything is like sort of a bastardized version of what it was in the 1939 film. Yeah. Uh like the scarecrow looks well, different. I wouldn't say ba- the 1939 film almost bastardized the original intent but um just just, saying. just go with me for a second here <laughs> go with me for a second here. yeah um everything in the 1939 movie was absolutely idyllic you know like picturesque it was beautiful the emerald city was beautiful the yellow brick road was pristine like all of the characters were just so wonderful and whimsical looking and and then in this movie everything's got like a sheen of Filth. garbage and filth over it like even the emerald city is destroyed the the yellow brick road is just rubble the scarecrow <laughs> looks weird like the like every like and and what if that's again like what if what if the 1939 like even dorothy looks uh um you know she's she's younger of course but like just like um conventionally less beautiful like judy garland like was this like you know picturesque or or statuesque like beauty right yeah yeah. and 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 uh and mombi even says about fruza bulk's character of dorothy she says you know one day you'll be quite uh attractive not beautiful so much but a certain you know prettiness to you or something like that you know what i mean Sure, sure like everything about this movie like what if what if what if the first movie was the first delusion of Dorothy where everything was perfect and picturesque and this movie's got that sheen of shit on it because her mental state is breaking down more so like when, she, when now that she's traveling back to this land of oz everything's not pristine anymore because mentally she's breaking down more i like that theory but i have a counter to it what I know that the people listening to this can't hear it. Um, this is original art from the L. Frank Baum book. Yeah. And what do you see? Yeah, I mean, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow look exactly like how they looked in this movie. Yeah. So that's the thing. That's like, but that I'm saying the this, original intent. But I'm saying this movie is supposed to be a direct sequel to the 1939 movie. So yeah. it's, you know what I mean? Like... You're you're su- you're supposed to take what you saw in in the 1939 film and 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 but it's not though it's not supposed to be a direct sequel that's the thing it it it's a direct sequel in that they borrowed enough elements to connect the two but his intent was not to really make a direct sequel um Merck's intent yeah Merck was a big fan of the books he always wanted to do an adaptation of the books mm-hmm. and they had to do that to kind of bridge the two because the studio wanted it okay his intent though was to make his own thing which is why they're so wildly different okay so like it so, is so, so it's you kind could, of like an it is but it isn't so you situation. Could, so you could even like you could even watch this movie without having watched the first movie and just like if you had sort of a sort of a knowledge of you know like what happened in the first yeah yeah movie I feel I still, like there's enough I still to... like to look at it that way though like what sure. I just said because it it kind of, <laughs> now that I'm older and more cynical I I the idea of this being a girl who's 
suffering with you know some sort of some sort of PTSD or mental illness. It's it's sad and it's tragic and it's terrible, but it's also more fascinating to me. So yeah. Uh, yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into that. Even if it's my own even if it's my own thing. No, I agree. But, I agree. But at any at any rate, I I I love this movie. Um haven't seen it in years. It hasn't lost any of its charm for me. All the characters are amazing. Yep. The, we didn't even honestly get into any of the characters, but just watch it. Yeah, like, just, just watch just it. Watch it's it. it's thirty seven years old at this point. Just yep. watch it. You Hopefully can, I, I watched it on Disney Plus. Where'd you watch it? Disney Plus. Oh, did you? Yep. Okay. Um yeah, just watch it. It's Hopefully a great movie. Hopefully this conversation at least sparked some interest in you. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, next uh, in two weeks when we come back or whenever it is we have another episode, uh, will be our Christmas episode. Christmas episode. I have an idea of what to do. I'm not right. going to tell you all. I'll tell this mother lover right here Cause I'm, cause I'm off the air. Because I'm privileged. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, so we'll be back for that. One of these days we're going to, we might change up our schedule. We might even go back to doing... A show every week. I want to. Maybe. I want to. I mean, you know, you we, never we know. We need to get better about this whole three in the morning thing, but um That would be that would be good. <laughs> yeah. That would be. Yeah. Um, um maybe, anyway, maybe if you actually hit record when we Oh, start. you know what? You know what? Fine. I'll give you that. I'll give you that this time. <laughs> All right. Uh that's that's it for this week. Uh we'll be back in a couple weeks with our Christmas episode. We'll let you know what that's going to be yep. sometime. So just stay tuned. In the meantime, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud at the Buzz to Kill Podcast. We are also on Twitter at the Buzz to Kill PC. We are on all major streaming services. So hey, if you got some friends that uh, like movies, tell us about them. Yeah. Or tell them about us. Nope. That's what I meant. Nope. Or, tell, you know, tell, tell us, us about, about them. them. Yeah. I, <laughs> we'll, I would actually really like we'll to know about out. your friend who likes movies. Yeah, right? Yeah, um, totally. Also, check out... Um, hey, you have known this in a while. Check out our Friends' podcast. Check out Beyond the Void. Beyond the Void? They're awesome. Check out the Bloody Good Film podcast. They're yeah. they're pretty okay, you know. Uh, <laughs> check out... Uh, <laughs> love you guys. Um, yeah. Do we, um, do we have any other Friends podcast? I don't know. Uh, Galaxy of Bureaus. Galaxy of Bureaus. Absolutely. There you go. I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible at this. Yeah. The point is, check out our friends. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Do that. And uh, tell your grandma. Tell your grandma. Yeah. We'll All see- right, sir. All right. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Cheers, Adios. bud. See you next time. Have a good night. Cheers. Bye.